The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. I, I mean, I wouldn't want Blue Red Delver to be like you know, 18 or 20% of the meta. Right. Uh, so, How about 25? So the reason this is bullshit <laughs> is like it. I mean, imagine, imagine if Ragavan costs three, they put text on the back. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, doing well enough. Finished. I bought my sword today. So I completed my goal of having that sword by the recording of this episode, like mm-hmm. I said I would last week. So I went from having 63 million gil to 2 million gil. <laughs> so you're broke and have a bad weapon again. I feel yes. so <laughs> I'm going to jump. We were going to introduce Derek later, but he's probably going to talk to you about Final Fantasy. So right. joining us this week is Derek <laughs> from the Family Gathering podcast. And uh, that this way you can communicate with Matt as he talks yeah. about Final Fantasy 11. So That way um, there's someone who knows what's going yeah, on. Exactly. As opposed to just me <laughs> shouting into the ether. Uh, so yeah, I've got it going. I chose the path on it. Basically, there's three paths. Once you once you choose a path, you can't resell the weapon. So like, I just full committed to Ooh. it. I could have gone. I could have just hung out and just like kept the weapon and sold it back if I wanted to later on. But I decided to just full on commit. Too late now. And because like, if I'm committed now, I have to do this, and it's going to give me that extra push to keep to like push through the grind because I got to get another like seventy million gil to finish and- it. You so. only have like one piece of like a pants left too, don't yep. you? Uh, I need to get the gloves from uh, Lilith. Gloves. Yeah, you got the pants. And the cool thing is, so like I didn't, I hadn't realized this when I started farming that boss, but like four of the pieces, actually f- six of the pieces she drops are like best in slot for Red Mage. So like, <laughs> so like four, Dang. I've got all four of the pieces that Red Mage uses in the build with this sword so i'm good there i got the uh the weapon to use in my offhand with this build so i'm good there uh, i got the earring that i can use for like debuffs and whatnot which isn't necessarily related to this build but i would still use it and conveniently the so the way this works is like when you kill the boss you get one loot drop in that slot that can drop the gear and it's you don't even necessarily mm-hmm. get that it has to roll to see whether or not any of these pieces will drop and then it can roll to drop the piece you already have. Yeah. So, and if it does that, you just don't get anything. So I'm now at eight Ooh. of nine. So <laughs> it's going to be a long road to get. So like, I'll probably have to kill nothing. it as many times as I already have in order to get yeah. this last piece. But fortunately, I got lucky, and the last piece of gear I need isn't one that I necessarily have to have for this build. So, like, it would be, it's still a very good piece of gear and it's useful for other classes, but for the build that I'm working on right now, it's not like a necessity. You actually use a different piece that buffs your end spell damage. So like, super excited. So yeah, I've got that going. Like I said, I need to grind 70 million gil. Uh, so that's going to take me probably, realistically, it's going to take me another month to finish this once. weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I basically have, because that's the thing. I, I bought the weapon. It left me with 2 million gil. I already had another 2 million worth of stuff on in my bazaar. And then I got lucky this week. So there's these things, they're called special, basically they're they're in-game lottery tickets. And I, I saw you open a bunch. Yes. I won twice this week. 
I got total between those. I got like five million gil. I got oh, a two wow. million gil item and a three million gil item. Because I watched you open up like some apple soup and uh, yeah, like a rabbit leg. Correct. You get this. It's not literally every item, but you can get almost every item out of these. So you'll get just the shit you don't even know like i've gotten items in there that i go to the wiki and there's no wiki page for it (laughs) but i did get these and that's crazy yeah considering it's like 20 years old that's the thing well that's the trick like if i went to the old wiki there probably would be a thing in there there probably would be. but the old one doesn't get updated anymore and the new one so you kind of have to bounce back and forth if you're doing like old school missions sometimes there won't be a very detailed walkthrough for a mission on the new one so you go to the old one to get the more detailed walkthrough when the game when the game was still like real current um but yeah so i i've got like I probably have about 10 million gil already. I never let myself go down to zero because, like, you need gil just to function day to day. By the end of February, I plan on having this weapon finished. So I'm excited. How about you, Jake? Did I do anything last week? I don't think uh, I did anything. Well, I mean, you've been doing the horses a lot. Yeah, I guess that's my week's kind of flown by. I haven't really, uh, haven't done a lot. I've been working a lot extra at the barn. My good friend Nadia, who, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard of, he, I don't, did I talk about it on the podcast? if you did or not she had one of the big ones like everyone that works with horses professionally for any amount of time you're always kind of dreading the big one we always get hurt you know you pull a you, you pull a muscle you maybe break a finger or you crack a crack or a you finger, hurt your back hurt your back um like you're suffering through right now i don't think that was horses but <laughs> get stepped on you might crack you know you hurt your feet yes you you crack fingers all that kind of stuff uh she had a compound fracture busted both the bones in her lower leg and so she's currently working on recovering through that and as a result, I have been putting in a lot more work at the barn just to help cover stuff because, you know, Nadia was the person who was putting in 75 hour weeks training horses. And there's at least at least for right now, there's the same number of horses that need trained and, and one fewer person to do it. One person who I mean, the person isn't doing it anymore. So, yeah, my week's been pretty busy. I haven't done a whole lot. I did recently purchase Rainbow Siege 6 because it's 10 bucks on Steam. And a few of my buddies that I play on Discord with talked about that's kind of a fun game. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, for 10 bucks, if we played a couple of times, it could be fun. It looks like a really cool, hyper-realistic, tight team play style game. Yeah. I mean, it's years old, so if most people have heard of it or played it. But I thought for 10 bucks, I'll throw some money at it and see if it's interesting. I played a couple rounds. It's very complicated. Yep. Um, they have like some introduction sections, some teaching sections. For me, it's really high stress. It's really intense, like creeping around doors and mm-hmm. leaning through uh, windows and re- rappelling up and bashing through windows to do a, ha- a hot breach. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's something like you should. It'd be I, cool if you got it. Well, the funny thing is I actually played the original Rainbow Six for PlayStation 1. Yeah. And well, you, you would go. do the yeah. same thing. So the missions would be like a hostage scenario and you'd have four or five different members of your crew, but you only could control one at a time. Oh, so you'd move one at a time into place and then but you could lot you could hot swap between characters. So you do one, you kick in the door, like shoot somebody, switch to the guy in the window real quick, get another get another Uh guy. And uh, we actually Derek, my brother and I played. It also had like a death match thing, too. So we'd play on my little 13 inch TV. It's like uh, 10 (laughs) bucks. You should go pick it up and we'll play some. It's it's kind of fun. It's I'll never be good at it, but it's fun to play. I actually thought so we got our bonus. Mm-hmm. And I still have mine because nice. there's just not really anything I wanted. I got satisfactory Dyson Sphere program and uh, the d- Deep Space Rock or something like. It's like a d- four-player co-op 
first-person shooter with dwarves um, with a fully destructible environment. Does Satisfactory have co-op? I think so, yeah. Because I've I've almost bought Satisfactory five times. Yeah. Well, it's looks, on sale. It's like 20 bucks. Like, that game looks like so much fun. So, like, I bought all three of those today because uh-huh. I was like, well... I've wanted, they've been on my wish list. They all have like tens of thousands of reviews and Uh are still overwhelmingly positive. I'm like, I'm going to grab these just in case. Yep. Like while they're on sale. Well, that's what it was with Rainbow Siege was like, I've wanted, this is one of those things where like, I've wanted to play this game since it came out. I saw it. I was like, that looks fun, but I didn't have any friends to play it with. Well, now I have a small collection of people I play with online and one or two of them will play. And I was like, fuck it for 10 bucks. Just in case. Yeah. I'll buy it. We'll play a couple games. It'll be fun. Yeah, how about you, Derek? Sorry, I thought you were done. There. Um, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna wrap up that I that's I've been working a bunch. I played a little bit of games, and then I was gonna remind the audience that we have Derek with the family gathering yep. with us, and I was gonna ask him how he's doing. So, how you doing, Derek? So I, I am currently sick. So as you and I were, yeah. Do you have a, a mask yeah. on your microphone? Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. We don't want COVID to become so an internet you and virus. I were... <laughs> Computer virus. Yeah, I haven't updated that my ma- my good. McAfee. There was actually a lady. I don't mean to interrupt you, Derek, but there was actually a lady who got mad at her son because he was playing <laughs> on Xbox Live and she was worried he was going to catch COVID. Like she was. I saw that. Yeah, she was legit. And this wasn't like a oh, let's make fun of. This was she was legitimately yeah. dumb enough to think he was going to catch yeah. COVID playing online. I don't think it matters where you fall on the spectrum of your opinions right. on COVID. I think we can all agree you're probably not going to catch it from the Xbox Live right. chat. Gives hot mic a whole new meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Derek. Yeah. Uh, so anywho, Derek. Yeah. So I'm I'm sick, and as we were discussing pre-recording. Uh, I'm pretty much confined to my bedroom right now to hopefully not get the other five people in my house sick. I'm so jealous. Yeah, it it's kind of nice, but also kind of not. I mean, we don't have a TV in our bedroom, so Oof. I'd like to go watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be rough. Uh, yeah, I, I have been not feeling well for like four days. Two of it, I slept a lot. So my week was uh, work and then sleep and then kind of work yesterday um i finished up yogmoth historic deck list so i started playing that on arena yesterday and a little bit today here and there i'm not doing so hot with it I have like a 30 percent win rate what are you having fun probably not if he's uh, having a 30 percent <laughs> it it's just fun enough because it's yogmoth that i keep playing it uh-huh it is a intricate deck that is mm-hmm. for sure yeah, I've watched uh, and I've seen a lot of it be played at the modern version, and it's complicated. Yes, I will say that I feel historic is in a really bad spot right now. Sucks. Well, they just need to tweak a few cards and they can get it going, right? Everybody's favorite just, thing. Yeah, sure. I don't care if they tweak cards or ban cards, but they need to do something about all the life gain. Gotcha. So mono white life gain is just kind of owning uh, historic right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say 50% of the decks I play are mono white life game. When I played uh, historic, I haven't played in a little while, but I always played what's it called? Uh, Salty Ultimatum. You played Salty. Yes. Didn't you? Yeah. And the cool thing about life gain is even if they get to like 35, 40 life, once you start yeah, chaining ultimatums, okay. they don't, they just scoop. You're good. <laughs> yeah. The number of times. Well, the thing is, is that there for a while, those decks were getting to like 35 life. The last couple times I've played like yesterday and today, these decks are getting to like 50. Oof. That's a lot. Yeah, it, it it went from like a little too much life gain to a ridiculous amount of life gain. What was the big switch? 
there is a new card from Crimson Vow that is a one-sided Soul Warden. Oh, I, I can't think of what it's called. Yeah, it's like, but so they're running like that and Soul Warden, and then there's an enchantment that does it. Uh, I mean, they're just Lunark Veteran. Every card in the deck. That's it. Yeah, Luminarch Veteran. Yeah, they they got one or yep. two more just little ping pieces to gain life, and that just put them over the top. Another ten or fifteen yeah, life a game. They're just gaining a ton of life. And the games you beat them, like when you beat when you beat what life gain in the red zone, it's usually early, and it's not by yep. much. Like you barely get ahead no. of them. Yeah, if I play goblins, it'll be like Oof. I dealt you forty damage and I beat you by one life. Yeah, it's you barely scrape it out against life gain. There, uh, life gain does it does its name well. It does. It didn't used to, but it does now. I remember in the like magics, the middle portion of magics history where life gain was just considered a joke. <laughs> yeah. um, and generally speaking, it is. But like. If your format or if your metagame is don- dominated by aggro and you can gain like legitimate amounts of life, yeah. that's totally different. Yeah, like I said, jumping up from twenty yep. to fifty by turn four or yep. five. Oh yeah, is bonkers. And you just add go in, soul warden, yeah. soul warden, soul warden. And uh, there's the 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 keystone of the deck used to be it's, it's a Valkyrie, but it's as long as you have like seven or ten more than your starting. If you if you have seven more than your starting life, all your creatures get plus two plus two. Yeah, it's a huge bump. Everything getting plus two, plus yep. two, or, and they stack, of course. So you get your second one. Now they're getting plus four, yeah. plus four. It's bonkers. Is that the the voice of the blessed? No, it's uh, Valkyrie. Was it? Was it good? No, but they are running that too. Yeah, that card's cool. So the voice of the blessed two two for two white. Whenever you gain life, it gets plus one plus one counter. As long as it has four more, it has uh, flying and vigilance. As long as it has ten more, uh, it's indestructible. Jeez. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) So I guess that card doesn't gain life itself, but it's really (laughs) good in that deck. That's a very well off Soul Warden. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll cast a creature. Trigger, 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 trigger. Yep. I like those are the decks where I've I remember because of the way Arena stacks it up, like do something, nine triggers go on the stack. Ugh. Yeah. Just the life gain is outrageous. Well, luckily, you've got plenty of time to brew and solve the historic meta. Yeah. Well, I also got upset because of Yawgmoth losing like 10 in a row because I'm actually tracking my total wins and losses with it. Uh And I put Hammer Time together (laughs) (laughs) and then proceeded to lose like five games with that. (laughs) I mean, like Arena is the kind of the MTGO thing where like... You're playing good when you're playing for real. You're playing good players, and the arena algorithm oh, yeah. is good at if your deck is serious, it puts you as serious decks. Yep. And then I just switch to goblins, and I'll win like five in a row. Yep. Yeah, goblins is the best way to cheese out wins. I, I I've actually used to hang out with Matt, and we would just play goblins like on his couch, and it's just like, hey, look, I got Muxus on turn three. Yep. Cool, we win. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I hit five goblins. I love Muxus. <laughs> and my opponent sure didn't. They hated Muxus. If if Muxus was illegal in like modern, I would play shit tons of yeah. goblins. I had uh, when I was looking at getting into modern, I didn't think about the fact that Muxus was jumpstart, and I was like, "Oh, I'll definitely play this." And like, I was absolutely going to buy that in uh, modern, and then I quickly realized that that's not how jumpstart works, yeah. and I yeah ended up didn't uh, not buying that. So what you're saying is Wizards was right every now and then when they're like, oh, this is, it's hard to keep track of what's legal in what format. (laughs) It sure is. It is. That's funny. Well, Matt got the sword he wanted. I've been working my fingers of the bone. 
and Derek is getting his butt kicked in with Historic. Is there anything else going on? Sounds like I'm having a good week and you guys suck. (laughs) We need to get on Matt's level. (laughs) Well, Well, you're closer than me because I have kids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, but neither does Jake. There's no excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get going much further in the episode, I do want to give a big shout out to the Planestalkers podcast. Like I said at the beginning, we are proud members of the Planestalkers podcasting network of podcasts. Will and Aramis put on an excellent show every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can tune in live at twitch.tv forward slash Planestalkers podcast. Every Wednesday at that same Twitch, they do host a Commander Craft series where they play Commander with fans. At, at uh, Also at, I think it's 7 or 8 Eastern Standard. I can't remember exactly when. But if you want to learn more about it, you should check out their Discord, discord.planestalkerspodcast.com, where you can hop in, message Will, let them know you want to play. And they pretty much every week save a seat for just anyone that wants to come in. They usually save seats for patrons and save seats for um, non-patrons that just want to play. But if you do head over there, make sure and tell them we sent you and check out our Discord channel. Well, with that out of the way, Matt, how's Legacy looking? Post-ban. Yeah, hey, uh, Ragavan's gone. Uh, so the Blue-Red Delver... The Menace is, has it, been... It's, it's, out, it's yep, gone, we're done. We're done with that. We don't Wait. have to worry about Blue-Red Delver dominating. At least not dominating. It's okay right. if it's there, but we don't want it to be like... Well, yeah, nobody I, I said I mean, it I wouldn't want Blue-Red Delver to be like, you know, 18 or 20% of the meta. Right. Uh, so... How about 25? Yeah, how about 25% of this top 32? <laughs> we're, um, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like to say, and I'll be saying this multiple times this episode, called it... <laughs> Not that this particular one was terribly uh, difficult to call. I think most people who've been tracking stuff expected Blue Red Delver to lose a couple percentage points, but still be probably the best deck in the format. Just a little easier to attack. Um, that seems to be the case. Still very much probably the, at least currently, the best deck in the format. Did not win, though. So, hey, progress. Second, second place. <laughs> Got second. It tried really hard. <laughs> uh, and it's half of the top 16. So... Taking it home, because so first off, we got a couple things to mention. One, the Saturday challenge did fire. Yay. But not that this affected it, or at least a direct effect. They did lower the number of people required to get it to fire down to 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I understand, there were around 80 people who showed up on Saturday to play. So we would have hit it even with the old one. Wizards, there was some sort of issue with Wizards where... They either didn't gather the data or didn't upload it. It'd be hilarious if they're like, oh, by the way, I guess we just forgot to pay yeah. attention that this thing fires. It's been so long since Saturday's six challenge. They don't have that stuff yeah, turned I, on. I'm sure it was just some sort of computer glitch or whatever. It's the same thing with Modern. The Modern challenge also fired, just so you know. But Wizards has not published either this Modern or Legacy Saturday challenges. The Sunday challenge as well fired for Legacy. And there was a Showcase challenge. Big we actually had three fairly sizable legacy events online. We're going to be talking about the showcase challenge as we typically do. We talk about the highest stakes tournament we can every week. That's our starting point here. Death and Taxes won with Lunil. Uh, that's the pilot. I don't... We may not be able to pronounce your name correctly, but we will absolutely give you all the credit you deserve for bringing home yep. uh, a, a relatively large showcase challenge. Yep. Yeah, and there was uh, from yeah. what I... I I think I, there was about 200 people or so. Something. I unfortunately I can't remember what it was. I heard that one event this weekend got over 200 people. It um, had to have been this. I believe I saw Honorog was talking about because he was like, "Why are there nine rounds of Swiss?" Yeah, it was like crazy. Yep. So I, I'm guessing it was this. Um, I'm not going to speak with complete authority unless Derek can back me up. Yeah. So death and taxes no, bringing I'm home. Not sure. Gotcha. You know, probably one of the bigger 
time is definitely the biggest legacy event since uh, Eternal Weekend. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, that's good news. I think everybody here likes Death and Taxes just as a deck. This is Yorion. I sure do. Yep, this is Yorion <laughs> Death and Taxes running Urza Saga. We have a DNT expert on the yep. cast with us today. So hey, how about you uh, go over this deck list for us, Derek? See if there's anything spicy. So looking at the list, it looks very stock to me. Is Soul Guide Lantern a Probably standard? The biggest thing is it's it's not running the Field of Ruins that I usually see like two of. What was that, Jake? It, is Soul Guide Lantern usually a tutor target for Urza Saga? Uh, I've been seeing it in there. Gotcha. There's just there's just that much graveyard shenanigans that's worth running that main board. I wonder if this guy was expecting yeah. the graveyard shenanigans to be elevated due to Delver getting hurt a little bit. That makes sense. So, see the just yeah, that makes sense. The Cathar Commando we usually see. It's interesting yep. you point out. It's been a it's been a pretty mainstay lately. I was gonna say it's interesting that you point out that we haven't seen those field of ruins because I have, thanks to you, brought up a couple times where we really see lists yeah. hitting both ends of the spectrum where you'll see one week where the you know list in the top eight has your two field of ruins or three, and then you'll go two weeks and you won't see any. And that's like I still kind of maintain that like I just think there's room for them. Like you've got four Caracas. And, and I wonder planes. if if they decided not to run them this week, expecting Delver to be less. So instead of four Volcanic Island and two Steam Vents possible, they were like, yeah, we shouldn't need them. That's true. Yeah, because it's, yeah, Delver was in like peak prey upon territory with it running literally zero basics sometimes, or maybe one island. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I, I wonder if it's something to do with that. I still think they should run them. Does Death and Taxes normally this run guy clearly Leyline of the Void, the side? Uh, I, I had not gotten to the sideboard. That is Yeah, I was going to say, like this, I think I was a little bit right on this. I think this guy was prepping for heavy graveyard. Yeah, decks. he was. Or they, yeah, this they this guy was ready for the graveyard. Yeah, four ley line and two surgicals and a main board soul guide lantern. Two graft diggers and cage two as well. graft diggers cage yeah. and a rest in peace. Yeah, this guy was <laughs> just like fuck graveyards. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> fuck graveyards in particular. Oh, that's hilarious. interesting. So a relatively stock main board and then a very tuned sideboard. And apparently, I mean, I wonder if graveyards were overrepresented in the total format, even if they weren't overrepresented in the top 32. Could be. Because he did rise, or they, I, you know, I don't know if this man or woman or whatever, but they rose to the top. Yep. And that, you know, a bad yeah. sideboard will absolutely keep you out of the top. Yeah, he, top had, eight. I mean, he, he called it. Yeah. Um, and in his defense, not, uh, not that it's really a spoiler, Reanimator is in eighth place yeah so like yeah um he definitely was looking at some of the other tournaments this weekend it looks like reanimator was popular across the board i mean reanimator has been popular for a month now like i'm surprised reanimator has been holding its spot so well it's got to be the extra unmasks like the big change that i've seen is lists moving into eight unmasks with eight well this has six but between six and eight Four unmasks and two to four griefs. That must be the that must be the difference. It's just those extra hitch spells to, to clear the way. Yeah, well, the reanimator seems to be one of the. It's probably the most resilient in this particular meta combo deck. So you've got a few. Uh, you got like green white depths and lands. So you're using the dark depths package there. But reanimator and doomsday seems to have survived the uh, delver apocalypse. Whereas like show and tell and storm seem to have kind of fallen by the wayside. We almost never see show and tell or storm in the top, even almost even in the top 32 anymore. Like at most they're one ofs. Um, whereas reanimators kind of really been yep. able to hang with them. I haven't seen doomsday much either. Like, yeah. And doomsday is it's, it's just the next closest one. Yeah. Even it's not 
all the combo decks have kind of converged or converged on a reanimator. Yeah. So that's, not that we're going to talk about it specifically, but Doomsday did win one of the legacy tournaments. Yeah. I did, did see it, that. I think it, it won the, the Sunday challenge. Um, yeah. That was happening. That happened the same day as the showcase challenge. Yep. But it was so cool. To, it, it was yep. cool to see it because yeah, you don't see Doomsday put up numbers very often. You see Reanimator put up tons of numbers, and like I've always kind of thought Doomsday was a better, more resilient combo deck than Reanimator. But the last month of results would very much beg to differ. I think Doomsday is probably in a vacuum the more powerful deck, but it's just a matter of what lines up with the meta. So True. it's just one of those things. And again, like we talked about before. I think if we're being honest and we're comparing the two decks, Doomsday is a harder deck to play than Reanimator. So Absolutely. not only is it very much like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not pretending, I'm not going to say to anybody that playing Legacy Reanimator is easy, but I think the lines are a lot more straightforward in Legacy Reanimator than they are in Legacy Doomsday. Well, at no point do you, I shouldn't say at no point because it's actually happened. A, one of my opponents did kill themselves with a Reanimate once, yeah. but it's pretty rare where you cast a spell and lose, uh-huh. where it's, and that's perfectly possible in Doomsday. True. So, very true. So moving on, second place, we've got Blue-Red Delver. Hey! Surprise! <laughs> now, about the only interesting thing, uh, really what I would like to focus on if we're going to be talking about Delver, because it is, I mean, it's kind of the 900-pound gorilla in the room, is, like, the change going forward. So, uh-huh. like, that's that's really what has some, there's something to talk about there. I looked ahead. Most of them have re- just one-for-one replaced Ragavan with Delvers. Mm-hmm. And then, like we discussed last week, there's a few flex slots in there because you cut Gut Shop. Yep. And that seems to be where uh, each one of them is kind of tinkered around. The one in second place uh, has Brazen Borrower as a one-of, and uh, it's got two Mishra's Bobbles, I'm assuming, to help activate their uh, DRCs. Almost entirely. Yeah. Like, and to Mishra's, feel your Merktide Reader. Mishra's Bobble kind of sucks without something for it to get more value from oh yeah and i don't even think i don't think murktide's even enough like they're i don't think murktide's a good enough reason to run mishra's bobble no, but yeah. with death death right shaman definitely is yeah yeah it's it's in there for uh for or, uh, dragon rage dragon channeler rage oh and it just happens <laughs> to we're both saying that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it just it's happens to death right is drs yeah uh yes for drc yeah. death right shaman has been banned for like two years now but yes for dragon rage channeler it's a yeah. wonderful this particular edition. list also brought in one of Chain Lightning, kind of like we talked about. Uh-huh. So that's the uh, so the pilot here, Nammer Squats, didn't listen to our podcast because they still have a Steam Vents. <laughs> they did not put their Steam well, Vents away. Well, they got one. I guess that's true. They put one Steam Vent away. I'm curious as to why. They, they really liked it, so they kept one. Like, four, four Volcanic, one Steam Vent. I mean, so the thing that makes me a little curious is... Back before Modern Horizons 2, most Blue-Red Delver decks didn't even run four Volcanics. Mm-hmm. A lot of them ran three yeah. and then a couple basics. Also, Mystic Sanctuary. Maybe that's why. That is not a card I expect to see. Yeah, it, that's that, probably, it, ups, it ups your island count. Uh, but Because that would be, be the Mystic Sanctuary. So this is how I used to run it. You'd have two or three basics and you'd have almost always a basic, or basic mountain in there. Mm-hmm. So you replace the basic mountain with a steam vents, so it still turns on your Mystic Sanctuary so and as an still mountain. That's cool. I good catch. In my opinion, Mystic Sanctuary doesn't belong in Blue Red Delver in the tempo shell of Blue Red Delver. Um, there for a while, there was the uh, Zoomer Delver running around, where it wasn't a tempo shell as much. It was much more of a control style yeah. Blue Red Delver, and that ran Mystic. But it's interesting to see a Mystic Sanctuary get pl- pulled into this tempo style Delver list. I swear to God, though, I mean Mystic Sanctuary with expressive iteration probably just gets people to rage quit <laughs> oh i'm sure <laughs> like, 
Oh God, that's awful. I, I think it's good in there. Yep. It's something I've seen people talking about on like Twitter and other podcasts. Uh, Court of Cunning making its way into the sideboard is a really good way that these decks are shoring up the control heavy matchups. Yep. Ragavan actually used to be a decent way to help win those just because it's it was relatively easy to get your opponent stuck with sorcery speed removal in those four color lists. And then Ragavan coming in, pulling stuff off the top and just chipping yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, that's where Ragavan was really at its exactly. best. And with Ragavan gone, someone else called this. I'm not saying I did, but the idea that Court of Cunning would come in and just the plan is I'm going to mill you 10 cards a turn for five turns and you're going to lose. Well, and on top of that, uh, typically speaking against a control list, you're going to have Monarch far more often than they are. Yep. And you can, uh, if I remember correctly, right, you can mill yourself. So in theory, you can be milling yourself to be fueling again Merc Tidry. That's true. So like there's there's just a lot. Now you wouldn't run you wouldn't run Court of Calling to mill yourself for Merc Tide Regent, but what's just one of the another one of those things where you've just got additional benefits to the card. I'm rereading Court of Cunning for the first time in a long time. Any number of target players each mills. Yeah. So it's you don't even, you don't have to choose. Yep. You're milling ten no matter what, and I may mill ten to try and fuel my Merc Tide. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's that. It's just an all-around kind of cool card, and if you can force it to stick against grindier control list, I mean, that's I mean, functionally, that's what Jace is trying to do: is plus you up a bunch and then mill you all at once. This is just going to mill you ten a turn every turn. So, cool little sideboard tech. Third place isn't Delver. Third place is more Cantrip Blue Soup. <laughs> it's the Day Breacher deck. It's it is the whole Breacher Days Undoing. Out of all the Blue Soup decks, this is probably my favorite, but it is still Blue Soup. Have you seen this deck, Derek? Uh, yet, yet, Derek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. This is a really cool list. I like seeing these, and like, I've uh, I've heard some more commentary on these lists, and like, it makes sense. They talk about it. Like, we talked about this as like a control list because there's just so much control here. With, I mean, uh, we've got six forces and the prismatics and the flusterstorm, and but like this plays as a combo deck, and like I, they, I've heard uh, rhetoric from people who play the deck a lot and enjoy playing it, but like you have to play this as a combo deck, and you need to be looking for your windows to end of turn whole breacher days undoing pull your basically basically pull your combo off you're just looking for a window to pull your combo off yeah and nothing else in the game matters within reason yeah well i mean your your removal is there to buy time for your combo yeah your same thing with your forces and then your forces are also there to ensure your combo resolves yep. like it is going to i think one of the reasons why it gets compared to a control deck a lot is relative to other combo decks it is more controlling like yeah. you look at show and tell and show and tell doesn't have it isn't running seven removal spells main board. You yep. know what I mean? They are just trying to resolve show and tell and turn two. There's, and there's also, yeah. if you look at this relative to other combos, it doesn't accelerate into its combo in any way. It's just naturally is going to be hitting its land drops. Yep. And then like you said, though, as soon as that window is open, that's when you have to do it. Like yeah. you don't get to put it off or anything like a control deck. You're not trying to make this game go 10 turns. You're trying to make it go like four or five. Yeah, you want to find that window and make it happen. So a little fun fact here. Uh, you guys may remember when I lost my damn mind on the podcast. When the, when the rules committee, I was going to get there, <laughs> banned Hole Breacher. And I was like, it's really cool. These guys came in into my house and just took, you know, 60 bucks out of my binder because they were like $35, $40 cards. Yep. And they went down to like 15 the $3 card now. Yeah, I know. That but, I had I had two that were worth about $35 a piece and now they're worth $3 a piece. Yep. I have four. I have three uh non-foils and a foil. Hurts. Yep, I saw that the other day. I was looking at it on TCG and I happened to see it and I was like that card costs $2.50 now. Oddly enough, foil hole breacher is one of the reasons why I don't buy foils anymore. Is that so bad? 
the Commander Legends, I spent, I think I spent two or three hundred dollars on foils for Commander Legends, and they're all trash. Matt traded me one for one, my regular Jeweled Lotus. Jeweled Lotus for a foil Jeweled Lotus. Yep. That I then sold. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it's, I can't play it. Yeah. It's, it's an just, upside down pringle. Be, yeah. Because they curl in the wrong direction. Because like right. my, my Tatiova deck is mostly foiled. And so there's a ton of cards that have a curl in them. You know, when seventy percent the wrong direction. When seventy percent of your cards curl in the same direction, it's okay. Yeah, because well, most foils curl towards the front. The Commander Legend ones curl towards the back. Pretty funny, and it just makes them way worse. Like if you had a flat, a perfectly flat card, you could almost kind of tell in a foil deck. Like you actually, once you get to like eighty or ninety percent foiled, you almost kind of yeah. want it to curve a little bit. And this is the complete opposite. Like they're Pretty and funny. on on top of that, the the reverse curl is way more extreme than any of the others. It was bad. I've seen pictures of like they're very extreme. Yeah, um, it's just trash. Like sleeves ripping. Yep. Like the curling so bad they're ripping sleeves. I w- I wish we had this podcast when that happened. Gosh. Oh my god! If you wanted to see angry man, <laughs> like the the uh, un the un believable episode where the unset was announced that it was going to be legal and uh like that was mildly (laughs) perturbed matt (laughs) angry matt lost his mind when i got these cards in the mail and like i got them in the mail i ordered them the day they released and i got them in the mail and they were curved i spent two weeks going through i steamed some of them Uh i used like silica packets on some of them (laughs) to try to dry them out i used uh there are actual uh there's opposite of the the silica ones. There's actual packets that control humidity, so they're designed to be put in a container yep. for like cigars. Uh, cigars and other products. <laughs> and I used those, so I spent about twenty to forty dollars trying to fix these foils on top of buying them. And literally, I think I got Hole Breacher to be flat enough that I can run it in my deck, <laughs> and funny. then it got banned. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I was- in the same way that you guys get to be there for his Final Fantasy XI updates every week, I got to be there every four days for his updates. Me trying, trying, <laughs> trying to, to fix his cards. I mean, I bought dozens of these foils because, like, we don't really talk about it much. There was some stuff that was the first time they were foils. Right. There was a lot of, like, so So I play, I have, like, 12 EDH decks. Outside of, like, like Legacy is my competitive format. EDH is, like, my format, right? So, like, Commander Legends came out, and I mean, like I said, I dropped two or $300. There were some... There were some cards that had never been foiled before. There were some cards that had cool art. There were just new cards that were, I mean, like opposition, opposition agent, jeweled Lotus, whole Bridger. I mean, like I had all of those foiled and they're all just trash. <laughs> I know it's so sad. I, I was so upset. I'm still upset. I'm getting a little heated just talking about it. <laughs> well, let's move on to the <laughs> yeah, next list. That was then. the world's longest <laughs> yeah, tangent on. about that. Yep. But anywho. But hey, on the plus side, fourth place also has Hole Breacher. Sure does. <laughs> <laughs> so this is sort of Day Breacher combo. It's like this yeah. is a four color controller that just happens to so run this it. This is probably so we had just like we talked about, like the previous guy, he's probably leaning heavily into it. This is probably more of these are some good cards to run yeah. as well. Like Hole Breacher's not a bad card. Narset got run a lot like i mean that was one of the things just in general so really if you're just looking at it i mean this guy's got one day's undoing in the deck yeah like exactly. he's not planning on comboing out as his main strategy it's all these cards are decent enough 
and kind of combine together to give him an alternative win con. Like this is way closer to the red bant list we've been seeing pop up, but just with like four slots dedicated to this combo inside of it. Brendan Carpet of Flowers is ballsy three. anymore. Yeah, only three because you have the day, yeah, two, day, two days undoing, um, uh, the two hull breacher. And then if you want to count the Narsets, they may. I don't think Narsets were stock in our red band list, yeah, they're not, but they're also, yeah. they're also just good cards that you can, like, I could see Narset in a red, in a band list and be like, oh, that, that's fine. That belongs right. there. Yep. And I think, yeah, that's, that's the perfect example of what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Carpet Flowers main board is pretty cool. Like that, that's just like, that's, that somebody sat down and was like, we know Ragavan isn't going to change right. anything. And he, he's going, you know, because like Carpet of Flowers, it's just really bad against Prismatic Ending. Yep. Like, just cool. You've got a Dark Ritual in your control deck. Good on you, bud. But it's very good against Blue Red Delver. Yes, it is. So that's just, this guy is just going, you know what? I don't think Ragavan getting banned is going to uh, really solve the problem. And they were correct. Yeah. Hence fourth place. He's got two more Carpet of Flowers in the side. Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah. Usually you see... Well, he, just, he really likes the Well, card. I could just... I could see running it as a one-of in the main, where you're yeah. just like, well, I run eight cantrips. This is just... The, um... This, is the, this doesn't matter, yeah. but before Prismatic Ending, like, four carpet in the side was super common. Oh, yeah. Because, shockingly, guys, before Prismatic Ending, Blue Red Dover was still the best deck in the format. Yep. And it was totally common to see people running what? four, you know, four carpet of flowers in the side to just help just totally smash Blue Red Delver matchups because it turns out when you're playing against a mana denial deck and you can just outspend them every turn in the entire game, you'll probably win. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Elves runs ran carpet of flowers all the time. Yeah. Like, that was one of my favorite sideboard cards because, again, it's just like before Prismatic Ending, it was very good against the control decks. They're mostly islands. It's just a good, solid card because most of those decks you're playing against have no way to get rid of it. Yep. And or at least it forces them to play bad cards in order to get rid of it, whereas Prismatic Ending is just one of the best cards in Legacy. And now they're just like, yeah, I'll trade one for one for you. Enjoy your Dark Ritual. Yeah. Fifth place. Blue Red Delver. Whoa. Delver, oh, hey, I feel like we've had this. <laughs> hey, this one's got young peasy, though, not yep. Raisin Borrower. And this is kind of what I was talking yeah. about. This guy's popped in his young peasy. Uh, he's got two unholy heat as opposed to like a chain lightning and, and the, the bobble. Oh, but still yeah. has a steam. So he's vent. got a right. I <laughs> still running steam vents. <laughs> no. And this guy isn't running the mystic. No, mystic. Yeah, that's. I know it could be one of those this, things. This one doesn't make as much. It sense. It could just be a slow to adjust thing, and it could be that like it's possible. I think it is that people played steam vents for so long, and like the cost of steam vents, people just, just isn't there enough. Well, I think one of the things we did overlook going turn one Ragavan days is good. Doing turn one DRC days is still very good as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it still has its benefits. You can either Delver or DRC. I'm interested. I'm, I'm really surprised that there there's no bobbles to fuel this DRC. I'm of the opinion that DRC without bobble isn't that good because this literally has like on, like the four types you would expect to see. Creature. This deck is going to struggle to turn it yes, on. Yes. Uh, creature, instant, sorcery, land. That's it. And you like, almost expect it is as opposed to having bobble to have like Urza Saga. Yeah. There's just some like something. Yeah. I I you expect to see something. Yeah. Something other than the four basics. Creature, land, instant sorcery. And I don't see anything that is outside of those four basics. So, interesting. Especially because that's the thing. Like, obviously, you're going to be, you know, approximately one in five of your matches or more is going to be against a blue-red Delver deck, right? But most of your other removal is exile. So, you're looking at, I mean, the first thing pops in your head, probably lightning bolt, given the meta. Next, you're going to be talking about swords to plowshares and prismatic ending as like the big three like mm -hmm. there's a, those are four ofs in almost any deck that runs those kind of cards yeah 
those are exile effects. So like, it's there's a solid chance you never get a creature well, in the yard. You have to mill it with DRC. You, yeah, you and have just, to mill it. It's like there's so few times I can think of where like I want to be putting my creatures in the graveyard. But that's a rough spot to put yourself in. Like, do you want DRC on or do you want to draw that Merktide? Or do you want to draw that second DRC? Yep. So interesting choice. So does this guy just want DRC to fuel his Merktide? He doesn't care about turning that, it on. It's a good question. It's a good that's a that's a very, very good question. And I think it's a possibility. I agree with I, you. I think so. I was a proponent of if you wanted to live in a world where Merktide wasn't banned, but you wanted to weaken it. I think DRC was the card to hit to weaken Merktide. I think the and I I I've heard this. Well, you you were discussing DRC being the card that should be banned, should. and I text you or messaged you on Discord and said I I very much agree. Yeah, I, I I still maintain that I think DRC is at least on power. I think level. it's the more powerful card. It's hard to say whether or not it is more powerful or not, and I think that I think you'll get a lot of heated opinions if you'd be like DRC is just better. I think a very solid argument can be made that they're very they're very similar and people discount DRC way faster. I, I think people are way more inclined to be like, nah, Ragavan's a better card, Ragavan's way better. And I think DRC is very close, if not on the same power level. And the fact that it just goes unnoticed. So one of the interesting things is like this guy looks given the rest of his list, he looks like he's trying to leverage the spell slinger aspect of this. So he's got the yeah. young pyromancers to make himself one one. He's trying to just get value out of his spells. So like DRC yep. never has to be flipped. He's going to have a DRC and a young pyromancer and the, the DRC is going to help him get to the young pyromancer. He's going to have lots of And triggers. then so he's got a bunch of stuff going on yep. and then boom, said, two the, mana seven seven. I've said it before. Eight, eight. Um, Ragavan is really good when your opponents run good cards and you should never rely on your opponent to help you in any way. And that includes you should not rely on your opponent to run good cards. DRC is always good because all it requires of you is to run good cards and you can reliably put good cards in your deck. Like I think DRC is a sleeper and I think people are going to realize in the coming well, weeks that it's a I, problem. I don't know if I'd call it a sleeper. I don't know if I would say it's a sleeper. <laughs> I'm say, how many, but how many, yeah, how many ban lists have you seen where people were listing DRC up there with Merktide and Ragavan? A decent number. And to be fair, I also list them up like we talked about last week. I think they're a triangle. I sold you on it. I don't know. It didn't take much to sell me on DRC. <laughs> I think DRC sold me on DRC. But like we talked about, that's why, in my opinion, Merktide should have gone. As I think Merktide makes DRC worse. It makes Ragavan worse. And Merktide in and of itself is also a card that's egregious anyways. Yeah. So like Merktide is just as good as DRC or Ragavan, but hitting it also weakens the other two. Yeah. You don't have the Rag Ragavan doesn't get as much of a top side as like ramping into a seven drop. And DRC doesn't get the added ability of adding Lotus Petals to every cantrip. The good news is they were very clear. They're going to keep watching the format. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if in a month Merktide's still in the format. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Like I, said, I, I, me, think, I think, again, I, if, you want, if you wanted to keep Merktide in for whatever reason, you said if they decided we like Merktide being in the format, I think DRC is a great place to heavily weaken that card. When you have to literally cast all seven instants to make a full power Merktide, or is it six? It's a uh, five. It'd be five. Jesus, yep. five. <laughs> well, if you had to cast five instants to make that a full power Merktide, it's a different beast. I think the the other and this is I I don't really like when this is used as like an argument for a card, but Merktide is also blue, yeah, and does pitch to force. It does not that you because that's the thing. That's like, a, that's like a how super often do you want to pitch your Merktide to force? Pretty rarely, but if you're going to lose, exactly. obviously, 
if you need yeah, yeah, there, yeah. i mean i have where it's like oh wow if that resolves oh, i'm dead and it's like well that's, that's, that's why i mentioned it's obviously it's it it's matters a, it's another check in the positive column i think it's a big check i when i look at a card and like i can tell myself it pitches to blue like the cost of running it is so much lower yep. now because i mean i'm almost always in a game looking at my hand for something i can pitch to blue to an ad nauseum or to a reanimate yeah very important anywho anything else interesting in this deck but you know, Delver was twenty five percent of the meta, so it should be twenty five percent of our podcast. Right, of course. <laughs> Narset in the side, submerge yep. is back. Court of um, cunning, court of cunning again. Blood moon. Yeah, one artifact. The side, their del- the, DRs the sideboards overnight became build to, build to please. Sideboards were pretty, were getting pretty pretty stock, and as soon as Ragavan got banned and the meta, like the meta went through a shakeup for sure. You can yeah. tell the 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 the, the well, Delver decks are different, and the sideboards are all. The big crazy. thing is, I think what happened as far as people sideboards, people expected a shakeup, uh-huh. so they had to build their sideboards differently. Yep, we'll see next week. People will come in with a lot more information, and we'll see. Like these sideboards will quiet down quite a bit, but it is interesting to see like what people pack in lieu of a unknown metagame. So uh, next up in sixth is a slightly different four color control list. What? <laughs> This one is... This is Red Band. Yeah, this is Red Band. Have you seen this list, Derek? This seems like something you'd love. Yeah. Like, oh, Sign me up. Right. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I I don't get to play much, but I still look at lists, and I have been listening to you guys every week, yeah. and I may or may not have told Jake he should include links to the lists so that when people are listening... Yep. We can look at it. So if you get, if you enjoy seeing the, just more work for you to do. Seeing the lists while uh, while we're talking about it, you can thank Derek from the Family Gathering podcast for that. Well, I I would say just link to the the tournament result. I and do. Then they well, can, yeah, yeah. I I just said like link to the yeah, challenge no, it, itself. It just it just takes another thirty seconds and thirty seconds <laughs> and thirty seconds and thirty seconds and like case in point, do you think someone's going to put seven links to the family gathering everything in this week? They sure as shit are. <laughs> See, what you should have done is found a <laughs> podcast host who is more willing to do some of the fucking legwork. <laughs> yeah, I I've get- been telling you for three years now that you need to find better friends than me. <laughs> I do. Anywho, um, this looks like... Yeah, I, I love this Yeah, it's list. pretty stock. The, about the only thing like- I would say is... So there's two things in the sideboard... One of them is pretty obvious. Uh, it's got Monastery Mentor in the sideboard. That's yeah, which is a, cool. It's a very common card in Legacy, not so much recently, yeah. but uh, seeing it in the side is pretty uncommon. And then I don't know if I'm excited to see it, but it's interesting to see Veil of Summer back. Veil of Summer had kind of fallen off the yeah, radar for a while. Yeah, I I haven't seen that in a little while. Well, the fact of the matter is, black kind of sucks at the moment. So yeah, blue is good. Blue is good, and the un—it's one of those things where like Veil of Summer just almost always cycles and. The potential for blowouts is huge. I've always ranked Veil of Summer a bit higher than everybody else. You listen to a lot of like really, really good Magic players talk about Veil of Summer, and they usually rank it pretty low, barring a specific metagame. And I'm always inclined to rank it a little higher. Case in point, Force of Will is 60% of decks. Like right. I just like the, the card is so rarely just flat out dead. You know what I mean? And it just and the blowout potential is ridiculous. I mean, literally, Pyroblast that draws a card is like it, it, the 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 ceiling is so high. The problem is, and this is this is how I w- what I was thinking about, and you kind of touched on it. Pyroblast exists, and I think Pyroblast, if black isn't being played, is better than Veil overall because yeah. Veil Pyroblast hits things on the board, and I think that's a big thing in his favor. It's true, so, I mean, but when Veil Summer doesn't do anything against the Merktide, correct? And so that's I, that's one of the things I think is important is 
the fact that it also hits black like if it was just blue i don't think it's enough if you have some expectation of getting some value out of the black i think because what really messes with people the black really gets when you go to thought see somebody and you counter their thoughts he's and draw a card i mean think about unmasking right like, they go to go turn let's say you're on the play and they go turn one unmask and it's like cool i'm gonna draw a card and right. nuke that correct i hemmed you yeah. <laughs> and drew a card you get like, all three for one the, that upside is huge and it's it just makes it more common i don't think the upside is as common when you're not expecting a whole lot of black and at that point you probably want something that can deal with it resolves threats but yeah, it's it's if you're expecting blue and black to both be good, then hell yeah, Veil of Summer is awesome. But yeah, it's it's so unusual to see Monastery Mentor in the yeah. side. It's well, Monastery Mentor came with the resurgence of control decks. Um, we saw a decent number of control decks. This red bant list was popular, and we did see some legit and regularly see blue white control. Yeah, or blue white with a little bit of red. Yeah, running three or four monastery mentor in the main. So I'm not surprised to see mentor getting some love again in the decks because like we're becoming much more of a red zone format with Ragavan and DRC. And like if we're gonna be in the red zone, not much gets in the red yeah, zone better than monastery sure. mentor. Monastery mentors. Pretty- Matt, I want to talk about another blue red Delver deck. Are there any more blue red Delver decks in the top eight? There sure is. <laughs> Yay! I'm so glad we solved this problem. (laughs) Can we talk about Blue Red Delver again? So this list also runs (laughs) Young Pyromancer, but has a Forked Bolt instead of a Chain Lightning or a Ponder. (laughs) A Preordain. It has a Dead Gone gone as well, so it can, you know, pop those tokens from... don't worry, listener. Still has a steam vent. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone got together. It just has to be DRC. Like, uh, that's... There's that's the the one thing that's in common among all these. And like after I like when I said it, I was like, yeah, it's DRC. So like it just is still it's it's crazy that it's that important. Yeah. This guy didn't do the red elemental best pyroblast split. Uh oh. Leaving he's leaving he's leaving percentage points on the table, man. Percentage point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, dude, I'm gonna bring my meddling mage in and I am gonna ruin Connor M426's day. <laughs> To submerge in the side again, a Narset uh, yep. in the side. Pretty common. I don't think we need to go too much into it. Pretty common. Yeah. Nothing exciting here. Uh, I shouldn't say exciting. Nothing like new. Yeah. And then rounding out the top eight, what everybody sideboarded for, which is why he's eighth. Yep. Is Reanimator. <laughs> yeah. As I mean, looking at the sideboards, it's impressive. A Reanimator list made it to the top eight. If if those sideboards we looked at are indicative of what people packed, like this dude had an uphill battle from match one. Well, and that, that kind of goes to show you, A, this guy, well, I mean, it's Archon, so that explains a lot. I don't know the guy personally or anything, but he's in these challenges almost every week in the top 32, probably one of the better grinders, like, this guy's everywhere. Uh, so, A, there's that. B, it just kind of goes to show you how strong Reanimator is. Yep. Like, and that's why all these graveyard hate exists and why you should respect it. If, you're, if your deck can, if your deck is concerned about a turn one or turn two Grizzlebrand, you should be bringing Reanimator hate. Yeah, though, which is why I do. You should be bringing eight like that death and taxes yeah. deck. Yep. I don't know if I'd go that far, but clearly he <laughs> it, made the right call. It works yes. for him. Well, and the, that's the other thing that kind of surprises me is there's so much graveyard hate and a lot of it tangentially or even some of it specifically is for Merktide Regent. And like just to see a reanimator guy fight through all of yep. that is... I mean, it amazes me that you still see Uro decks, like decks hinging on Uro. Those red bant lists, the main win con is going to be Uro. And they well, that was actually just, one of the things I was thinking about through. is with the the dude who had Uro and the Days Undoing combo as just a way to like, hey, you got him, 
I need I need a plan B. Yep. And milling you out is I, we've said before, the best combo decks are the ones that have a plan B that can just grind it out. Yep. So looking at this reanimator list, since I am the reanimator guy, I don't see anything particularly interesting. This is a six unmasked list. We do have four Chancellor in the main, which is sort of spicy, considering we've seen decks bumping into yeah. bumping those into the side or gone altogether. This particular list does not run the show and tell package in the side, which is something we've seen popping up quite a bit. But we do have four. We do still have four silence or not four silence. Um, don't have it. So in the side, we do not have. What was that? What was that white destroy all? I forget what it was called, but it was the white. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I yeah, can't, I can't remember what it is. It was the replacement for the Reverend. No silence. one ever heard of before it started being thrown in. Yeah, it was the white Reverend silence. Essentially, yeah. it's like on upkeeps, it destroys everything, all the artifacts and enchantments, but. The sideboard, you know, we got Moons, uh, a couple Magus, Massacre, Wear Tear, um, some more flexi creatures like Archetype of Endurance and Iona. I maintain Archetype of Endurance is not better than Equal Leviathan, but what do I know? Uh, and a couple Silences, just to just to help help those control matchups where it's like, uh, I mean, like it's good for a lot of games too, where it's like you got your opponent getting ready to combo off. Silence shuts stuff down. I mean, it's a pretty good like pseudo counter spell. Yeah, okay. You know, it looks like, this looks like a pretty stock, uh, pretty standard looking randomary list in the main. Sideboard's a little all over the place, but that's what I expect to see in the lieu of a shaken metagame. Yeah, so that's our top eight. We gotta talk about 10th place for like a minute. You know yes, we, we will. Well, hold okay. on. Do you know what's exciting about looking at this list? The reanimator list? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Silence is $5 card now. I bought mine for like a quarter. Hey, value. Because <laughs> I've been on that card for a long time. You just hijacked my podcast. Talk about a spec you made. Hey, three the dude years made ago. $19 back off. <laughs> no, like 10 years ago. <laughs> He's got those long term yeah. penny stones. You know what, Derek? That is really cool. <laughs> anyway, in 10th place, there's this. <laughs> Place this deck is this cool. This deck is really cool. Matt, you were digging through this. What the heck is this thing? So. Um, it's clearly an Urza Saga list. And this is by Elone. Elone? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is, if anyone deserves some credit, it's it, I this pilot. one Oh, L01. Yeah. I think it's L01. Um, yeah. So, first and foremost, this is the type of deck that I like the fact that, like, this is one of the reasons why you don't often hear me talk about Urza Saga very much. Uh, it floats around a lot when you talk about bans. And, in, in regards to banning. Yeah, in regards to banning, I personally think in its current state, Urza Saga is fine in Legacy, uh, mainly because it's propping up decks like this. So we're just going to go through the list because, like, nothing, this is not anything like any other deck. So we got four Ornithopter. Everybody knows what that does. Four Goblin Welder. Uh, one one swaps an artifact in play for an artifact in your graveyard. By tapping. Four, yes, by tapping it. Four Hope of Gear Report. Now, this is a card you may not have heard of. Uh, it's a one one flyer for one colorless. Uh, sacrifice it until your next turn target player who was dealt combat damage by hog nickname this turn can't cast co non-creature spells so my theory is you're looping that with goblin welder yep so swing in hit them because it's one one flying yep and then on their upkeep pop it and they can only cast creatures correct and so you've got bray as apprentice so you can also loop that back and forth uh making thopter tokens um, it's kind of like a bad sigh. Yes. You got Lotus Petals and Mox Opals. Like, Dramatics. I was looking for, like, what this deck does to end the game. Dramatic started to draw cards. Pretty sure it's Retrofitter Foundry. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it could be that side well, thing. Well, it also has four blasts, four bolts. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's very much right an aggressive there. type of deck. But, like, 
you're yeah. the top end of this deck is retrofitter foundry well you know what the top end of this deck is the top end is the token that Urza well, the, saga yeah, there's a saga and shadow spear yeah yes but yeah like i'm just looking at the the cards that are i mean retrofitter foundry is typically at one of yep, like there's four. a reason this guy's got four yep like that's what he's wanting to yep. do i'm confused how I mean, he doesn't ella one very well could be a female name um, <laughs> sure. This deck seems like it folds pretty hard to combo, but yeah. Blue Red Delver being twenty five percent of the top thirty two yep. might have something to do with why he didn't he or she didn't run into a bunch of combo. Like, did you see? In my opinion, one of the coolest things about this deck nine hundred and seventy eight dollars. Foundry, <laughs> yeah, the no reserve list under a thousand dollars for yeah. a deck list that if this is i mean we're looking at a, an event with almost 200 people or maybe sorry over 200 people and a thousand dollar deck in paper yep got 10th got 10th that's pretty that's pretty freaking dope this deck is cool i think we should if this is what uh we should encourage more blue red delver if we get decks like this so like i like let's unban <laughs> death right shaman let's unban uh <laughs> ragavan what up? let's unban mental misstep oh don't forget uh well not mental misstep but let's yeah you skipped ren and six let's unban ren and six yeah because i mean decks like this don't mind ren and six that much i mean well, urza saga is kind of rough <laughs> this deck would not like ren and no six. yeah four ancient tomb four great furnace but no it's four saga this is pretty cool this, this, this is really this is one of those things where you, like we don't normally dip much out of the top eight unless we see something cool and like yeah this like, qualifies legitimate spice like that is I haven't seen that list before because there's a couple others like 12th has Esper uh, Vile, which is pretty uncommon to top yep. 32 stuff like that. Eight cast is in there. There's stuff like that. But like that list is so far is as far as I know, pretty unique. Yep. So well done. Ella one. We want to just go most hit- played cards like normal. No. What was our meta breakdown, Matt? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it distracted me with the uh, 10th place list. So the. Twenty-five percent is it Delver? So the top thirty-two had eight blue-red Delver decks, uh, and I counted them up, and all of those are in the top sixteen. So this isn't, or I guess no, it might have been. I might have missed one. No, they're not. There's two. Six were in the top sixteen. Top sixteen. Sorry, my bad. A lot of them. Um, So six in the top sixteen, eight for the total. Uh, Then we've got a few one ofs, which like that. uh, There's Painter and that other red deck we just talked about. Death and Taxes coming in at fourth. With four copies, just guy control with four copies, and uh, then some twos and ones. Most played cards should sound familiar to literally everyone. Force will brainstorm, ponder, sword, spiroblast, top creatures. Delver of Secrets is back, baby. It's tied with DRC and Mark Tyreach. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yep, followed closely by Elvish Reclaimer and Recruiter of the Guard, and then the top spells is the exact same. Uh, Force will brainstorm, ponder, sword, spiroblast. Gotcha. Well, that's our showcase challenge yep you guys ready to bump over to modern yeah i uh yeah i'm good to go so in modern this week we don't have nearly as much to talk about we spent a long time on legacy um in part because even though legacy didn't change a whole bunch in terms of the meta breakdown we had a lot of deck changes it was, you know we did have a shakeup happen modern didn't have a shakeup happen the difference is though like modern still has an incredibly diverse top eight Looking at, though, most of the lists are relatively stock. So we will bump through them relatively quickly. You'll we'll see if there's anything interesting that anyone picks up on. First place, credit where credit is due. Zio Rio? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, did a wonderful job bringing it home with a pretty cool Jeskai control list that is a little different than anything we've seen, like, exactly. That being said, it is kind of what you expect to see in a Jeskai control list. 
the only creatures are four solitudes, and then you're you're almost always winning with your planeswalkers. Four Teferi, Teferi Time Raveler, one Jace, and then two Teferi Hero of Dominaria, and then just the control suite you expect. Four Counterspell, four Ending, four Charms. Uh, only one Deluge is, is is an interesting choice for me. In these control lists that are looking for the game to hit like turn seven, turn eight, turn nine, turn ten, Flashing Back Memory Deluge is by far one of the most powerful things you can take. Seven mana at the end of your opponent's turn to look seven cards deep and take two is, uh, is bonkers. Yep. I think cutting on Memory yep. Deluge is a really interesting choice from this pilot. Three Supreme Verdict, two Fire Ice, a couple Chalices, some Dress Downs, Spreading Seas, which is one of those control cards that we haven't seen nearly as much lately, but it's something that you're never surprised to see. It's just a really good pseudo um, wasteland as far as modern goes. You know, it replaces itself. And there's a lot of decks that it turns that into a colorless land. Like the island is just useless. Not to mention it turns off all kinds of utility when you come to like the horizon lands that draw a card or a sack to draw a card. Things like Castle Vantress, where even you get the blue, but you don't get the scries. Tons of useful stuff there that you can just shut off with spreading seas. Yeah, Derek, you used to play American Control in... uh... Uh, modern didn't you i i did my back when i played jeskai control it was very heavy uh burn counter yeah like we didn't have we didn't even have access to jace it was still banned when i was playing it both the teferis were not legal solitude wasn't out like i look at these lists now and i'm like man i wish i had been able to pick some of these cards up because this this looks like a good control deck Something that I see that's interesting is, again, like those pilots made some choices that I don't quite understand. So we've got, you know, the one memory deluge instead of like the the three, at least I would probably run. We don't have Kahira in the side as our companion. Now you could run Kahira as your companion main deck. Kahira's only requirement is that you like you only have like all cats, elementals, dogs. Your creatures. So, yeah, it's, it, it checks creature types. Yeah. And the most common one, you the reason you see it most commonly in the control list is you will see solitudes and maybe furies and that's it. So you meet that criteria of only elemental creatures and it's almost a free card. Yeah. It costs you a sideboard slot and it was it it's really interesting to see Zio, Zero opt out of a what is usually a free pitch card. Like the most common use of Kahira is pay 3 mana, put it in my hand and now I have a card to pitch for solitude. Yeah. And that's huge. That is, I mean, on top of just being a throwaway card you don't care about, there's plenty of times in the game where it's like you only have Solitude in your hand and you don't get to pitch it unless you put that Kahira in your hand from the companions. Interesting. Interesting to see them just prioritize every single one of these sideboard cards over a single Kahira. That's why you see Ragavans in the side a lot you with know, these lists is you just side the Ragavans in, you don't reveal Kahira, and you're fine. You know what's crazy? Just like Matt mentioned... I used to play Jeskai, and I did. And I'm like looking at this list even closer. There is nothing in the main board for non-lands that I used to run other than Supreme Verdict. I, I was just going over that. Prismatic Endings like, new Counterspell, Counterspell wasn't, wasn't legal. When I was playing. Yeah. Charm wasn't out. Deluge wasn't out. Fire Ice, I want to say, was out, but it just wasn't good enough yep. at the time for some reason. Well, I mean, Modern has... Modern has gone up, but we definitely didn't run it. Well, modern's gone so yeah. much; has gone so much, like uh, gotten so much higher power level, and that has come yeah. with cheaper, uh, cheaper and weaker threats. So, like the threats, and I mean, yep. like usually you see a lot of two ones or one ones. Like, like modern is an X one format. Things like Stoneforge Mystic, Ragavan, oh, yeah. DRC. Well, I was a big Esper Sentinel 
fan of uh, Fork Bolt. Yep. When I was playing, people would always look at me weird, but I I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it's just the. I mean, I I think I think Fork Bolt is an excellent choice over Fire and Ice. I'm just the ice is really good. I've seen a lot of ices ruin a a turn two or a turn three and replacing itself is pretty powerful. Like the tempo is pretty big, but I don't like, I would never, I wouldn't look at this list at all and be surprised to see fork bolt. Like it would not uh, be out of place to me, but interesting list. This is fun. It's some, it's some interesting choice. If I could play modern, I would, I would look into investing into this. Well, well, only $1,400. That costs 1500 bucks. Yeah. You could sell your yeah. death and taxes list and almost buy this. <laughs> He's got some of it, and yeah. uh, from what I understand, I mean, I have Derek's deck was I have foiled. Most of the lands, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you have, you have yeah, you have a lot of this mana base, yeah, and you're, my, you're you have a nice uh, death and taxes list. Well, my Jeskai was fifty two of sixty main board. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, you're you're really close. Yeah. You should. You, and then my sideboard was like at any given time was like thirteen of fifteen. You should build this and then drive down for our Friday night magic because maybe if you came down, Matt would go to F and M with me. Probably not, <laughs> but you guys could have a great time. I literally a bought a modern deck to play FNM with you. He never said he would go. Anywho. Oh, that's not true at all. Anywho, second was hammer second time. Was hammer time <laughs> looks like a relatively stock hammer time list. This is a Lurus brew, um, Mem Knights, Ornithopter, Sentinels. We do the Ginger Brew and the Core Outfitters. So those are some of like the flex thoughts we've seen in these uh, hammer time lists. Which it's kind of funny we didn't even see hammer time the other day. We went a week or two without seeing a hammer time in the top eight, but she's back. I don't see anything particularly interesting in the main of this with the Luris build that excludes you from running the swords and the Cauldra complete, but get everything you care about. Cranial platings, shadow spears, um, obviously four really big hammers. Yeah. You guys see anything interesting? Anything like out of place? No. It, I, I don't like see anything said, particularly no. out of place in the side. The the hammer time list seems to be pretty well dialed in. Like two path to exiles, probably the two like the two spicy cards in the side. Yeah. Um, Path to Exiles in a particularly weak spot, in my opinion, in Legacy or in, uh, in Legacy in Modern. But it it is just it's pretty weak in Legacy. <laughs> well, it's very weak <laughs> in Legacy, but it's just it is clean <laughs> removal and in Hammer Time, the mana acceleration you give your opponent probably isn't as important if you're just trying to buy that turn or two to punch them with a twenty twenty in the air. Yep. Well, and it's in there for stuff where you're just going to lose anyways. Yep. Like, That's true. This deck's not concerned about pathing a you know a DRC. It's in there for pathing Merktide Region. <laughs> it swings for lethal. Yeah. Third place. Jund, really cool Jund list coming in with Luris. We've got four DRC, four Ragavan, and four Goyf. It's kind of the stock creatures that we've been seeing in these Jund lists. Only four Ren and Six. I usually, I'm trying to think, what's the other Planeswalker I usually see? Only four Ren and Six? How are you running more? Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. I There's usually more Planeswalkers, and I can't remember what thinking of. It doesn't look right. There's supposed to be another Planeswalker there, and I can't remember what else they run. Is it some sort of Liliana? Yes, Usually, I think you see Liliana and Jund. Um, you see one of the Lilianas. Okay. That's what it is. I, I couldn't think of it. Um, yeah, I know it's only four Ren and Six, but usually you see two or three Liliana. Push it. That makes sense. Other than that, it's a pretty stock Jund list. A little low on the Culligan's Command, only running one. I kind of expect to see two or three. Like Culligan's Command kind of feels like the bread and butter of a Jund list, where it's just like exactly what you want to be doing in Jund, that three mana guaranteed two for one good disruption good removal good flexibility um, only seeing one of those and one abrupt decay is kind of odd but nothing out of place uh both pi- both spell bombs pyrite and nihil which makes sense you like seeing the flexibility of pyrite because you basically fold to some of the pro red creatures like uh and sanctifier and like 
pro red, pro black, you're kind of just like, you just have no way to deal with that. And uh, there are plenty of other like core firewalker and stuff like that. Like that you want to have those pyrite spell bombs to be able to come in and remove. Nighthill spell bomb is just the, like the only way these decks run to deal with the graveyard. So they're don't just fold to reanimator decks. They do have the soul guide lantern on the side, but like main board. They also have two call against commands on the side. Well, yeah, but that doesn't do anything for reanimator. No, but you had mentioned oh, that you were surprised alien. That's true. Yeah, I guess I, I I not made the sideboard yet, so that makes a lot more sense. Seeing the Colgan's commands at least in the side, um, seeing the extra Soul Guide Lantern in the side, the extra Spell Bomb in the side, that makes a lot more sense. But as far as I can tell, this looks like a relatively common modern Jun list. Fourth place is interesting with a Dredge list. We're, we're bumping into some of those decks where like there's not a whole lot of wiggle room in how these decks are built, so there's not nearly as much spice that we can look for. Other than it's just cool seeing Dredge come in and doing Dredge things. Narcomoebas, Ox of Agonis, the uh, prized amalgams, and Golgari thugs. Like, just fill that graveyard, get the stuff back. But I don't see anything particularly interesting. We talked about how, like, it's just kind of cool these decks running for Creeping Chill. Like, in Modern, you're starting the game at, like, 9 life. Yeah. Like, because you've got, what, 4? So you've got, you got 12 from Creeping Chill, if you can presumably hit all of them. Puts you at eight, and if you fetch shock once, like you're at five. Good luck. <laughs> the nice thing is, at least relative to like legacy dredge, modern dredge isn't quite as explosive. Like you don't have the the just bonkers turn one dump like your whole deck in the graveyard yeah. kind of thing. I think you usually like, have a couple turns. You're most likely going to see probably two or three creeping chill. Like three is probably yeah. the most you're going to see, and that so that puts you at it puts you at eleven fetch shock down to eight. But still, like, I mean, how many times do you fetch shock three times in a game or fetch shock at least twice? Leaves doesn't leave a whole lot of meat on the bone. No, it does not. And you start you start swinging in with those prized amalgams like you're going to be dead quick. I mean, at that point, Narcomoeba becomes a real threat Two Narcomoeba's in the air. Yeah, that's a three turn clock. Fifth place. Is it Delver? This deck looks really <laughs> familiar. <laughs> Blue, red, Merktide. Um, They did not lose their Ragavan. So there's obviously no reason to be playing Delver when you got Ragavan and DRC. Fury and four Merktides. And then, like we've said before, just worse counterspells, worse cantrips, things like Consider and Counterspell, Archmage's Charm. One of Prismari Command's pretty cool. That's a really flexible card that everyone kind of expected to see more play and just doesn't see as much as you'd kind of think it would, but it also just is, like, it's just okay at all the things it does. Like, for yep. three mana, just kind of okay. Well, it's it's basically a fourth Arch, Archmage's Charm that does something slightly different. That's like, true. That's, that's what that point. slot... It's that's in a there. good way to look at it, yeah. Just like, hey, this one just does... Three different things. Yep. Other than that, though, yep, doesn't look like that doesn't look much different than what we're used to seeing out of these lists. Some tweaks in the numbers here between like three charms or like these. This is running the full four of lightning bolt and four on holy heat. That's usually you see something cut out of there, but a lot of four of, a lot of, uh, a lot of really tuned down. Like anytime I see a deck that's just like four of, four of, four of, four of, four of, like that's a deck that knows exactly what it wants to do and it wants to do it efficiently and reliably. Yep. And also doesn't have a bunch of cantrips to filter through. Yeah, that's true. You don't get to run a bunch of one-ups because you'll find them because you see 30 cards in a game. Sixth place, another really cool list. It's like we talked about this a couple weeks ago where like Modern just does this so often where it's like, that's a cool thing you don't see every day. Oops, all spells came in. Thassa's Oracle combo with, uh, what's the, what's it called? What's the, it's uh, it's Goblin Charbelcher. It's Thassa's Oracle, and what is that thing that when it's in the graveyard, you can cast it by exiling cards? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Vegivine? No, not Vegivine. No, there's, and maybe it doesn't, maybe this one doesn't use that. Um, the combo is 
There's a way to reanimate. You reanimate Thassa's Oracle. Is it? Is it Phasmagorian? Discard three cards, return Phasmagorian from your graveyard. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't see it. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. Well, what that means is this deck doesn't run it as a win con, but I don't remember what it is. So I don't see a way to like guarantee the Thassa's Oracle works unless you've got it in your hand. Now, the deck does have a way of just like, you well, know, it's got uh, putting the, for Vengevine and Salvage Titans and whatnot in its graveyard. Agadim's Awakening. So like, yeah, but first, you wouldn't. You wouldn't plan on going off and then nuking your graveyard and then Agadim's Awakening for uh, five to get Thassa's Oracle back. So I'm not... This is, I mean, joking about how they're all built the same. This is built a little different than I'm than I'm used to seeing. Um, leaning, it uh, looks like more into Phasm Phantasmagorian, Vengevines, and Salvage Titans. But you know, as soon as we finish recording, I'll remember what I'm thinking. I don't see it in here, so yeah. Case in point, this is not the style of win that I see with Oops All Spells in Modern. So that's pretty cool. I will I will concede to my ignorance where I don't I don't super recognize that deck very well. I'll have to keep a better eye out and try and see some of that gameplay and better understand that deck so I can pretend I know what I'm talking about in front of Matt and Derek because they're certainly not going to help me at all. Well, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I have no idea on this. Seventh place was Hammer Time again. Another Luris list. Uh, almost the same. In this one, we replaced the core outfitters with Ingenious Smith, a very common uh, swap. I think Ingenious Smith is actually a bit more common than like core outfitter and Ginger Brute just because that card, like you're getting a plus one, plus one counter every turn, almost minimum. A lot of times it's the guard is Adri even getting plus one plus one counters on your opponent's turns. Like that thing becomes a four four five five very quickly and just is a great beat stick where like if you're not gonna do the thing with hammer time and Colossus Hammer on turn three, swing in for six, three turns in a row usually does the trick too. Well yeah, you got a bunch of cheap or free artifacts in the deck. Yeah. So like it it I mean it almost it's guaranteed to replace itself and it just grows so stinking quickly. Beyond that, I don't see anything particularly surprising. Um, we do see thought seizes in the main. That's semi uncommon to see main board thought seizes. Usually see them in the side, but main board's a little interesting. And eighth place, just to round out the hodgepodge of all the best decks we see normally, Grixis Death Shadow. So Luris Grixis list, Death Shadow, Ragavan, DRC, Kroxa. Without pulling up a list from last week, this is the same yep. that the we bulk always of it's see. The same. Yep. So in fairness, we did have a couple lists this week that were like, oh, that's a like my instinct is like, oh, that's a pretty standard normal list, and it's like, oh, actually, it's Really different. But we did also have a couple lists that's like, yeah, that's a Grixis list. That's a Hammer Time list. That's a that's a Jund list. But one thing Matt wrote that was really interesting, because we praise Modern so much every week, you know, Legacy had four different decks in the top eight, three different decks in the top eight, and Modern has like seven. Like like we had two Hammer Time and lists. nine and ten are also different decks. Yeah, like Affinity. Well, we had Affinity nine and the tenth. But like well, if, if you look at, so that's one of the things I want one's red, yeah. white. The ninth place yeah. list is and one is blue. Wild. <laughs> oh no, this is an affinity. This is Oz this is a fiddlebender list. Yeah. This is um Oswald Fiddlebender yeah. is like a borderline combo toolbox deck. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know who popularized it. The person who I saw brewing it with at first was Aspiring Spike. And he he loves I, the, I think it was he him. loves the fiddlebender style of play. And like we've even seen this ported into legacy with some really cool legacy builds. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty cool that 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 is not affinity. That's like that's Oswald. That's not affinity to me. Yeah. So yeah, like huge diversity in modern. A lot of fun to play. Yeah, I, will I mean, speak from like I'm just keeping. I keep going down, and so you've got a couple more Jun Shadow. Then you got Crashing Footfalls. Then Mill. Then yep. Blink. Then Zoo. Then yeah. Thopter. Then Titan. Then yeah. <laughs> two decks later, Grinding Station. Looking at yours, we're a metagame. We've got five Death Shadow lists at fifteen and a half percent. Yep. 
Then we go to Hammer Time and Blink. Which is crazy because it was only in the best showing was eighth yeah, place. It's Death Shadow is still kind of like coming off its heels of like sort of being knocked out of the format, the current meta. Yeah. It, I mean, it was like in charge, like top or it was the blue red Delver of modern for like a month. Yep. And it is yep. still like desperately holding on to like the last coattails well, of being up in the what that the shows the popular. deck is perfectly beatable. It's yes. just it's it's a tier one deck. Yeah, it's very good, but it's beatable. But they're but it's still currently beatable. in modern. Reliably. There is no tier. There's no S tier or tier zero. Yep. Like there's a like we discussed a few a uh, couple weeks ago. There's five or six tier one decks, and they're not that far ahead of tier two. So like you get this diverse metagame that Jake's about to talk about. Yep. So after you get past Blink and Hammer Time, you get into we've got Jund, Affinity, and Belcher as a couple two ofs, um, and Murktide. Then you have thirteen one ofs. Yes, you have thirteen distinct separate decks in the top thirty-two. That's pretty cool. Most played cards though, it's pretty standard: Ragavan, Mitra's Bobble, Dragon Rage Channeler, Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat. Top creatures: Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, Esper Sentinel, Death Shadow, and Mem Knight. And top spells: Mitra's Bobble, Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt. And Thoughtseize. And the, so the interesting thing about this as well, so there's 13 one-ofs in here. There's stuff in here we don't even see every week. So, like, you can pop, like, and there's stuff in here that, like, I know we saw last week but didn't see this week. So there's probably 20 to 25, like, playable decks. Yep. That could just in easily come in and top 32 a challenge. And all archetypes are represented. I mean, you've got Domain Zoo. So funny, yeah, do, yeah. Zoo's a Zoo thing. Sixteen, like Doctor Combo is still a thing. Grinding Station, like you said, Hardened Scales, yep. Crab Vine, pretty crazy. Well, now that we spent literally an hour and a half doing brief introductions and metagame <laughs> summary for our usually ninety-minute podcast, let's start talking about our third topic. We got one of the like most anticipated sets spoiled. And almost the entire set spoiled. We're missing a few hundred cards, like a couple, but most of the set is spoiled as of now. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is here. Yes, it is. What do you guys think? I think it looks five great. out of seven. Five out of seven. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> so is that a seven out of ten? No, it'd be like seven point four out of ten. <laughs> Derek, I think you talk about it. <laughs> set looks interesting we've gotten a lot of stuff come out uh i will say i think the artwork for the set on mass looks pretty good the art style is is what you kind of expect i think the art looks good for the set i'm jokingly like calling this power creep neon dynasty because there's just so many mechanics or so many like design attributes in this set that are just power crept like a whole half a step forward Mm-hmm. on like their core principles are so much more powerful than they used to be and it upsets me because yeah. I don't like seeing magic quietly power crept forward like this but the good news is as Matt pointed out and as Derek has also kind of reemphasized is like even though a lot of these cards like their core principles are power crept beyond what I think they should have been the cards themselves very few of them if any are pushed far enough that it's a problem yeah so that's a good thing yeah but I still don't like the idea They're of power pushed. creep. They're not pushed extremely. Like I said, while the core fundamental of some of these things are pushed, the implementation is drawn back enough that it probably will not be a huge concern. Yeah. So there, there's two things that Jake is yeah. concerned about. And I, I share his concern. But like I said, the, the individual cards don't seem to be a problem. We've got sagas that are now flipping into creatures, mm-hmm. which... uh 
yep. is basically a strict upgrade over a saga. Like if I you're just so. looking at the mechanic of a yeah. saga, is instead of dying, it turning into a creature is just a strict upgrade. So that's that's one of the things Jake is talking about as far as power creep. The other would be the reconfigure equipment, where it seems like it's probably a little bit it's similar to living weapon, but probably on average the mechanic itself is a little better than living weapon. Most cases, you'd rather have the creature come down as a creature rather than come down with a creature token, yeah. and you can pop it in and off. Like it's very similar to living weapon, but probably is a little bit more versatile. The trade-off being it also is a little more vulnerable to removal. Yep. And in fairness, like we were, uh, you know, Derek's schedule freed up. What with him getting sick and not being allowed to leave his house or his bedroom. But like the, the the guest this week, which we love having Derek on, uh, spawned from we all have a, a chat that we're on. And while Derek was halfway working at work and Matt was sitting at home playing on his phone, totally working, I was working and just like rapidly screaming messages into my phone about this is stupid. I don't like this. This is bad. And Derek and Matt being like, Jake, it isn't that big a deal. Calm down. It's not <laughs> like it's kind of better, but like it's I mean, it's just it's just equipped with with flavor, Jake. This <laughs> reconfigure is just equipping well, with flavor. I will read. I have the receipts. No, Don't no. you well, well, well me. No, I said it's a flavor of equipment. Oh, it's a type semantics of over here. Yeah, flavor of equipment. <laughs> no, it it has no flavor at all. This one's flavor is jellyfish. Like, in terms of the game itself, there is no flavor. <laughs> so, just in case anyone who is listening has not been combing spoilers or has not heard. I don't want to leave by behind. So I'm going to talk about Lion Sash, which is probably the best. As far as these equipment go, yeah. Equipment, creature, things that have come out. And like this is almost going to be an immediate legacy mainstay and probably modern too. One in a white for a 1-1 artifact creature equipment cat. So you cast this, you have a 1-1 creature. You can pay a white to exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. Then you can pay two mana to reconfigure it. And what reconfigure is, um, you can take this artifact creature equipment cat and equip it to another creature, at which point it stops being a creature, and then it gives certain buffs to that creature. Now, reconfigure also gives you the ability to pay that cost again and unequip it. So yep. that's something we, we, you don't see in equipment, where you can't unequip Batter Skull. You can only move it to a different creature. Yeah. Whereas this, you can literally unequip it and just make it its own creature again. This particular one, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. So the reason this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> is like it it breaks. And it's, it's honestly one of the reasons that the sagas are kind of bullshit. It breaks one of the core deck building costs of equipment and one of like the fundamental cost and downside of an equipment. And what's the worst thing that can happen when you draw an equipment? You don't have anything to put it There's on. There's nothing to put it on. It's useless. Or, I mean, you can take a step further, you cast your equipment and you pay the equip cost and they kill your creature. Yep. Like immediate two for one, sort of. You still have the equipment, but you're down all the mana, you're down all the tempo, and your equipment just sits there and does nothing. And these just solve that. Like, these kill your opponent. Now, Lion Sash is a great example where it's a, it's a great mana dump where you can make this into a four four five five six six and it kills it very quickly. But the fact of the matter is, if Lion Sash takes the place of a traditional equipment in your deck, you do not have to worry about not having another card that kills your opponent in your deck. Like, Sword of Fire and Ice, by itself, will never kill your opponent. Right. Lion Sash, by itself, can, can kill your opponent. And Lion Sash, in particular, is yep. probably going to be pretty good at it. Yeah. 
rebuttals. You're not wrong. It's definitely pushing the the power level. The I just don't think it's as extreme as you felt the other day. Yeah, the everything you said is 100% true. It's just so one of the things you'll hear with Jake and I is we're both pretty cynical about wizards. So a lot of the times we're not necessarily upset about particular issues themselves. We're concerned about what the next like next year's set that uh-huh. has uh equipment creatures if they keep doing this reconfigure if they keep thing, doing this or we're eventually similar. going to get a ragavan type equipment creature yeah where not ragavan in particular but a very pushed card yes we're going to power creep a mechanic and then we're going to push the card even further and it's going to cause problems down the road now i doubt reconfigure is going to be evergreen this seems to be a kamigawa it style is thing very, no, very, this is going to be pretty yeah. okay now here's the problem though what stops them from just doing it later in a different name Case in point, you know what was a very Theros thing? Enchantment creatures. Yep. And we have enchantment creatures here. Yeah. It, the These ideas always spread. Yes. And they could totally rename it to something different. Or just this, just this idea of making an equipment just have one less downside. And like we've talked about, like me and Matt have it and Derek too, like cards should have downsides. That's what makes cards interesting to play with is abusing downsides or making them upsides. But when Wizards just literally prints upsides, like, hey, player, do you hate it when you draw an equipment and there's nothing to put it on? Well, don't you worry. Now it's a creature. Yep. No more feel-bads. No more feel-bads. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, in my opinion, Lion Sash and this reconfigure mechanic breaks a fundamental design philosophy of equipment to make it better. Now, points to Wizards. Let me let me finish this, then you can butt. I say I points to wizards. Yeah, None of the things I have seen out of this set so far are crazy broken. Right. So points where points are due, they didn't ruin it this time. If they do that four more times in a row, I'll stop being so cynical. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Derek. So I agree, like what you said, but the the general move for wizards lately, because of the rise of other trading card games or digital card games has been to make less feel-bads to get new players in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's right, but that's definitely the move. So that they are just continuing to build on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, that's a yeah, that's a perfect example. That's a perfect point, is that this is just a continuation of... I mean, if you think about it, it's a continuation of spells on lands, where, like, MDFC... It is, it is a continua- continuization of something that started... Almost ten years ago now, with the change of the Mulligan rule. You know, I, I I get what you're saying there, and there's some truth to that. I think that was more designed to reduce the number of non-games. They started playing with the Mulligan rule to reduce the number of times somebody Mulligan to four, because you're literally looking at four cards, and it's impossible almost to pull four cards that are playable. Whereas there's a lot of decks where you can pull seven, keep four or five, and have an okay hand. I think that was meant to fight non-games, yeah. not feel-bads. Don't get me wrong, a non-game is but a feel-bad, though. A I non-game is quite a feel-bad It's for the someone. biggest of the feel-bads. Yes, but yeah. what's more common than having a bad mulligan is getting to turn seven and drawing your Sword of Fire and Ice as your, as your top deck. And well, the like, distinction oh. would be there are feel-bads, if we're going to keep using that phrase, that shouldn't exist. And I think like we could all sit here and go, yeah, as a game, like, I mean, chess is the perfect example. At what point in chess do two equally skilled players have a non-game? Yeah. It's non-existent, right? We could 
very easily justify going, we should reduce the number of non-games. And I think a lot of people would be on board with that. Now, taking yeah. now part of that is making your decks more consistent, and there are costs to that, which is one of the reasons why with the current mulligan rule, like combo decks, in my opinion, are more prevalent than they would be otherwise. We don't know the degree to which that's true, but just that's pretty pretty safe to say because they've reduced the cost of building a combo deck. Uh-huh. Something like this is on the other spectrum where it's just like individual card types should come with drawbacks and if you don't if you don't want the feel bad of having nothing to put your GTA on then don't play GTA. Yeah. So like I was when I was talking to Matt and Derek about this before the podcast, a fundamental cost to everything that isn't a creature or at least doesn't do damage is the knowledge that this doesn't kill my opponent. Every removal spell, every counter spell, every land is a card that at least 99% of the time doesn't kill your opponent. And so you have to put those cards in your deck with the knowledge that I may draw this at the wrong time. I may not be able to get anything out of this. And they keep taking those cards and just like reducing that. We're like, there's a creature on the back or there's a spell on the back that does damage or they like they're increasing the flexibility of all the cards. Don't this don't worry. You won't flood out because there's spells on the other side of your yes. lands. Or, you know, if you don't have any land yep. at all, like don't worry that creature is also a land. You can get yourself back in this game we're slowly reducing the inherent cost of putting non-creatures, quote-unquote, into our deck by just making more and more things creatures. Yep. And if we're done... Well, what you are reducing, and I believe at one point they even said it, they are reducing the variance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fundamentally, that's what it, it that's, is. Yeah, they reduce it. Yes, that's a, that's exactly what they're doing. That's a good way of putting it. Um, before we move on, I do want to ask, Derek, as the D&T specialist, is this going in your D&T list? Oh, yeah. Yeah. May, probably only like a one of, but it's going because things a perfect like, one of. You got eight tutors for yeah, it. Recruiter yeah. of the Guard can go get it. Stoneforge can go get it. Soulforge or Stoneforge can go get it. Yeah. yeah. So the, this card is great as a one of. Maybe he'll be a two of if I get to play the deck enough. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely going in. I've there. seen a lot of talk on Facebook. This is like scavenging news. That is on an equipment. But it's also a creature as soon as it comes in. Like I've I've heard that comparison made a hundred times, and I think it's very apt. Um, I yeah. wanted to speak to a D and T player because like you see things on Twitter and Facebook, and I don't trust any of that stuff. You you play D and D. Now I have like this is borderline better than Scooge hitting permanents and not just creatures because any deal. permanent now you don't get the life gain, but any permanent giving you the plus one plus one. Well, I mean yeah. the big one there is fetches. Yes, lands. Lands like that's and going to be your most common one. Yeah. Is there's, every there's, day. How often is there are there no lands in right. modern or legacy in the graveyard? Especially when you know death and taxes in particular is running shit like wasteland. Yeah, you got your wasteland and their lands you wasted. Cards going in graveyards. Yeah, so I was I was I thought yeah. it would be, but I wanted to talk to a professional. So I'm I'm happy to see that you agree. Yeah, it, I haven't pre-ordered it, but I should. So just to make sure. Moving on to the next thing that I want to bitch about. Um, Because that's just what I'm doing today. So real quick, is this what it feels like to be on the other side of a bitch rant? (laughs) Because like, there's been plenty of stuff that I was upset about, and Jake was like, "Man, it's not that big of a deal." And I'm like, "Screw you, Jake! My world is ending." (laughs) You just kind of sit there, family goblins, and just sit there and be like, "Oh, he's really upset about this. (laughs) That's fine. He can be upset." And I'm just like, "Eh, "Equipment jellyfish, not that big of a deal." So the other thing I'm upset about is a lot of the sagas, if not all of the sagas in this set, flip into creatures. Now, one of the core design elements of sagas is you 
put mana into this thing, you get it for a couple of turns, it cranks out some value over a couple of turns, and then it goes away. You lose the resource to offset what most sagas produce. And most sagas produce, I would say, more than a card's worth of value. That oh, is, yeah, for that, sure. That's offset by the fact that one, Think you have to wait for thing, it. Medium thing, big thing. Yes, you have to wait for it, and then you lose it. You lose this resource. That's an important part of it. That's part of the cost. And most sagas will never kill your opponent. Well, not anymore. So Hitsugu consumes all. Actually, a really good looking saga, in my opinion, for uh, maybe modern, maybe legacy. It's not a bad card. Yeah. One black red. First chapter, destroy each non-land permanent with CMC or mana value. One or less. Which is going to hit a lot of things. Yep. It's, it's a turn three play, so it's, that's kind of slow, but it hits a lot of things. Two, exile. It doesn't like uh, Urza's saga. It hits the tokens. It hits the tokens really well. Yeah, so it will not hit Urza Saga, but it hit the tokens. It'll hit most of. It'll hit a lot of the creatures in D and T. Most of the things Saga gets. Yeah, well, mo- and yeah, and anything yeah, Saga gets. gets. It's a really good kind of cleanup because second chapter is exiles all graveyards. That's almost never a bad thing to do in a uh, eternal format. And then three, you exile it and then bring it back transformed into a three-three trampler that says whenever vessel of the all-consuming deals damage put a plus one plus one counter on it and then when when it deals damage to a player if it had dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn they lose the game that's obviously a little unrealistic the idea that you're going to hit a player so many times like unless you like unless you're playing this in like uh infect and you're bumping it like become immense but the idea that it's a three three that every time it hits it gets bigger yeah and we're coming back to this the idea of this card at the end of the day kills your opponent and sagas shouldn't do that. Saga should come in, provide value, provide value, provide value, leave. This comes in, provide some value, provide some value. Even if none of those things mattered, don't worry. I'm still going to flip over and start turning sideways to kill your opponent. Now, it's slow, not as big a deal as something like equipment that are also creatures. But I think it breaks core fundamental designs of sagas and the idea that they are a limited resource that you have to be prepared to lose when you put it in your deck. Most of what I said before applies to this. This one I will disagree a little bit more with you on. I will disagree a lot. Um, so go ahead. Yeah, edit. I, you're not wrong in the sense that it is a power craft saga. The thing I would look at it is I almost look at these as creatures first with a saga front side as opposed to like an activated ability, if that makes sense. So like I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of text it to is. put on a creature. I, for three I don't mana. deny that at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not it's just one of those things. Have you seen Ragavan? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, imagine, yeah, imagine if Ragavan costs three. They put text yeah. on the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to flip it over to read the rest yeah. of it. You'd have a little continued. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you that the one, so there's two things. So there's one, I think they're kind of, I, I look at it like a creature first, that it's a twist on a creature, right? And then two, losing the big blow up at as the third chapter does bring it down a little bit like if you had gotten chapter three and then you got the creature i could see that but you are you're effectively giving up your chapter three which for some of those sagas was very strong and also typically speaking if you got to a chapter three it was deuce a lot of them just made tokens some did i know but that's one of the things that they would do and how many to- how many made tokens with a keyword and then four lines of don't text? get me wrong this guy in particular is pushed which I mean, is what we talk almost about. all of them have keywords almost all of them have flying or reach or haste I get it. i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you i don't think it's 
as big of a deal that it, since it loses its chapter three, you're effectively getting a chapter three. Now, it's probably dialed up the probably up, more than we would like. The upgrade of this from an old saga is is a smaller upgrade. Like, there's a reason I led on the yeah. on the reconfigure because I think that's like that's a huge fundamental break. This is a smaller break, but it still upsets me. It still makes me mad in my little heart. Okay, so th this isn't the card I wanted, but here's a saga from a previous set: one green, white, first level, create a one white, one one human white token. Second, create a one one green elf. So if the new sagas, if the third thing just made a token, would it still bother you? I mean. Because there's already sagas that make. Are you creatures. referencing in like an uncommon? Like, I mean, yeah. I now, I, I get on. you, I'm... but like, congratulations, you are able to go reference a really bad saga. Well, the I think the the point well, is that a lot of these have already made creatures. It it is. I don't think it's breaking okay, as much fine, new here, ground as it seems like mechanically speaking. Yeah. That's what I'm you saying. You say cure best to see. They God. just aren't making a token. They're just flipping. Yeah. But like the token, like the creature token they're making is uh, is insane in terms of its power versus what they used to make. Well, that one's also a mythic. <laughs> the it better be good for a mythic. I the. Isn't there one that makes an 8-8? Eight, eight? There, there's yeah, one. Cure of Best of Sea God makes an 8-8 eight, eight on ETB, but it also costs 8 mana. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to. Do we want to compare 8 mana stuff? Okay. Well. What we're comparing, there though, is, is yeah. the idea that the sagas leave a body that can kill your opponent. Now, I think the comparison would be that, that seems to be these guys seem to be is, particularly is pushed. Like if you're if your idea, if the problem is that they leave a body that has already been broken, that that territory, yeah. we're playing this. We're in the ballpark now. What they've done is they've dialed these up like the power creep from we're going to make a couple one one tokens to even this rare, we're going to make Kirin touched Orochi, which is a 1-1, but whenever it attacks, you get to choose one. You can exile a creature card from a graveyard and then make a 1-1 spirit, or you can exile a non-creature and put a plus one, plus one counter on it. I know. On That's, top of it, did the other okay. two things it's supposed to so do. Here, here is the way that Wizards of the Coast thinks, So, A lot of these older sagas made a body with like the first or second level. But in but in a relevant but body. But like Matt said. In, but in a relevant body. But what but what Matt, like what Matt said, Wizards looks at it and goes, oh, if they can keep this out till the third level of the saga, we're going to give them a good body because it didn't get killed because they think that's what happens. Yeah. I, like, look at fall, the fall of Lord Conda, three mana for a saga, uncommon. Exile, exile a creature and opponent controls mana value four or greater. So exile their big thing. Each player gains control yep. of all permanents they own. That's, that's useless. Then it flips into a one-three defender, but when it dies, you draw a card. The I think the problem isn't inherently that it becomes a creature. I think what I think the problem is most sagas, almost to a T, sucked balls before this yes, set. They didn't though. No, they, they they were flexible and they like a lot of sagas did great things. If you're looking at them in a vacuum, but if you look at like name me like three that actually see real competitive play. Uh, are we talking about standard? I'm talking about not standard because, like, to me, power yeah, creep. Like, let, let, you're right. Let's compare it to the last forty years of Magic. No, and we're like, talking about sagas have been around for like three years. Yep. And let's compare it to last. Let's like let's compare it to brainstorm. Urza sagas suck, or not Urza saga. Yeah. Urza saga is very. That's good. a very good card. Sagas in Urza general saga are more toned down, and that's actually one of the reasons why I liked them. Is they were, in my opinion, they were what Planeswalker okay. should have been. So I none of these are going to see play in Modern Legacy. I know. 
but I'm not talking about what we're doing that LC well, play in modern. I guess who might? That's possible. Yeah. Um. But like these are like this is still a huge power creep in the same way that almost none of those equipments are going to see play in legacy, but that's a huge power creep jump. And this feels like to me that we're approaching slippery slope territory where we're just going to keep pushing these cards, not just not even in interesting ways. We're just going to make them straight up more powerful, more flexible. I don't, I guess we just, I, like I said, I don't, I don't love it, but I don't think it's the end of the world. It's not. They're, they've, They've tuned them up. Yeah, it wasn't the end of the world when Watsy decided to do a really fun event where they rebalance cards on Arena. Uh, except it was. <laughs> except it was because no. I mean it wasn't then. It was just a fun. It was just a fun event. Just a one time thing, guys. And then six months later, yeah, we have Alchemy. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> you're. Li- I've been saying this since before you played know, Magic. But we're also sitting here being like Jake. They're just a little bit better. Calm down. No. What I'm my argument wasn't that they're not better. My argument is that they the idea that they become a creature and leave a body behind isn't anything necessarily new. What you're worried about is, I mean, if if all they said like that argument could just be it made a token that did that exact same thing. What you're worried about is the cards themselves. Oh, like I would still be upset though. I know, but that's it's the same thing, and those already exist. What you're worried about is now it's actually doing good stuff. So now we've taken sagas and made them. Because they historically kind of sucked, and now they're actually good. I think Sagas were an appropriate power level for a lot of them. Like, look at uh, Elspeth Conquers Death. Three yep. mana for a thing. It comes in, and it kills a, something with two power or less. Then it uh, nukes their graveyard, and then it takes a card from their hand. Right. And then it duresses them. Like, that's a good card. That's a powerful card. Well, it didn't need to be better. Good if is relative. You could, I mean, definitely in Standard, it was a powerhouse. And, yeah. like, maybe in Pioneer. Yeah, Pioneer, right. it's, Pioneer and Historic don't exist. Yeah, to me. it's it's awful and it's definitely awful in modern and legacy. Like that. And I know part of that is just perspective. Like when I think about cards we should be worried about, standard kind of waxes and wanes. I'm worried about cards that are so powerful and broken that they make it into modern and legacy, like on a regular basis. Yeah, and that's don't I, get me wrong, I'm not discounting what you're saying. But I'm just this personally doesn't scare me that much. The the reconfigure thing scares me way more than this. This that the because like they've yeah, already the, they're already toeing the line. They printed the first set with reconfigure. They printed a legacy playable card with it. The first iteration isn't this scary. We'll see what happens yeah. on the fourth iteration of these because because this is absolutely going to see we're going to see a lot more. This of, is a very good card. Um, I don't deny that at all. I, I don't I don't say mean the heads to go. I mean this this premise of we're going to print sagas because those aren't bound to any plane. And then we're just going to start putting better and better and better yeah. creatures on them. Like, I I am with you in that I actually like the sagas because they were where they should be. Maybe you could dial them up a little bit more because, they, like I said, they really didn't see hardly any play outside of the more recent stuff. Well, like, none of them were cheap enough, I don't well, think. Well, that's what I mean. And that's that's the problem with Hidegetsugu is he costs three. Like, he is perfectly playable, but it's just... He's like right on the cusp because he's a he's a three three trample with some bonus stuff that doesn't attack for four turns. Yeah, I'm just I'm just I see what I I see what maybe today's like standard like we already had sagas that were great in standard and now these are going to be a tier above that. And so how many tiers above that do we have to go before we start printing like really good sagas? Yep, but that's that's, to I'll me be, that's that's not new. That's not mechanic. It's it's not the same way that reconfigure is power crept. Is basically fundamentally my point. It's power creep, and we both don't like that. Yes. But it's not a mechanic power creep. It technically is because they flip. It's just one of those things that, like, the result of the thing is it makes a dude. 
The dude power just happens to be a lot stronger like than power before. creep is almost as bad as mechanical power. Mechanic power creep. I'd say it's worse. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, like, like Ragavan's not a mechanic power creep. That's I just, don't disagree with you, Jake. It's just that the idea that the sagas don't leave a body behind just isn't true. They never left a These, relevant body behind. There's been a couple. They're just more expensive, but that's the way magic power creep works is they take something that we would normally do and then yeah. make them cheap. Anywho, there's a legendary jellyfish and neither one of you guys will shut up long enough for me to talk about it. <laughs> okay, one one thing about Higagitsu or whatever, because to clarify something for Jake, because he is a newer player and he probably doesn't realize something. This doesn't say combat damage. Oh, shit. It just says deals damage. That's cool. So if you can put some sort of like ping effect on him, you'll get it. That's true. You could put like uh That's cool. I'm trying to think of the one they see in Popper because it's kinda of, what's the bow? Uh I know exactly what you're talking about. It's running Popper Elves. I can't think of the name. But yeah. The yeah. whole like tap it, do a yep. ping of damage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I did I did not I did miss that. So there's definitely some combo I didn't catch stuff. That. Yeah, you could build yeah. him just by doing uh Oh, and I guess in fairness, anytime yeah. he hits a red zone, if he yeah, anytime he blocks or is blocked. I, I didn't think about that. I was I just thought damage to a player. Yeah. Yeah. It's just anytime damage, he yeah. anytime he hurts anything, he's getting bigger. So yeah, you could you could they could chump him for five or six turns or whatever, and then he finally gets in for ten and it's yep. like game over. Now I will agree before we move on. This one is push. Yeah, this is I mean, it like, is a mythic, so like you can't expect that. Like this is this is relatively good yep. for um some of the older formats. I could totally see I could totally see it being a sideboard card in modern relatively easily. And then maybe in yeah. uh, Legacy, the biggest problem in Legacy right now is that nothing in black is playable. And like this one was like you I could red see, and black. I could see someone flexing this into like their sideboard if they were already in red and black. But who's in red and black already? The only deck that's red and black or could be red and black is Reanimator. And it yeah, doesn't absolutely. want this. So that's one of those things like that. This is a card that's waiting, but I could see it in modern. It's waiting for a deck in legacy. It's waiting for like a legacy shift that makes this playable, but I could maybe see it in play in modern. You want to talk, you want to talk about, I your, could see it side. Since we, are, we went past yeah. uh Riev or whatever. Do, do you have more Derek before I give it over to Matt? No, no, let's talk about, you want to talk about your jellyfish. No, uh, that's just funny. The reality chip. The only thing I brought it up is it's just a legendary jellyfish. And that's yeah. hilarious the, to me. Uh, have you, I mean, have you have it up the, the text line yes. of it is ridiculous. Legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say that five times fast. It's, it's a cool card. It's got the reconfigure thing. It's got great anime art for the alt art. Uh, the main thing, the one thing we cannot forget to talk about this because we're going a little long. Uh, Bizeshu who who endures. Yep, that's my next like, one. and this is the yep. the third rung of the mechanic power creep because now we have along the same lines we have sagas that hardly ever miss. We have. Equipment that hardly ever miss, and now we have lands, legendary lands, legendary, still lands. Well, that, I, I think it's relevant because, like, again, what's the worst thing that can happen is you, you draw your right. second legendary land. It's right. like, ugh. Well, and just in general, like, this is just a very good thing, and it goes along the lines of like, hey, we don't. It's this is effectively a flip card. Hmm. Yep. So, so like, and we've had we've had stuff and we like have, this. Don't get me wrong, I'm not. But this one seems extremely. This is bush. probably going to be the best card in the set. Like, that's my call. I would 100% agree. I, uh, I'm glad it's a this. rare. I'm glad the whole cycle's a rare because yeah. this is, you're talking about a 50 or $60 card if this is a mythic. This is almost Ragavan territory. Correct. This is, SCG has it at 30 when I looked yeah. to that, order. I, I would be shocked if it maintains that uh, in print standard set with how many cards they print now yes. with the rares plummet. With it being a 
Japanese set or whatever, yeah. a Japanese style set. There's going to be a million of these things running around. There's there's three versions of them. If you're just looking to get this card, it's probably going to be ten or fifteen bucks. Yeah. Um. Anywho, since we it, it'll be it'll probably be twenty while it's in standard. That's true. It might be a little more expensive in standard. I'd be it, maybe I'm wrong. But it, it, in fairness, Anywho, I know you say it probably won't see much play in standard. Like the things it's good at, it's good at in modern and legacy. Yeah, that's the biggest reason. Yep. So we've kind of buried the lead here. So it's a legendary <laughs> land. There's a cycle of these cards, one for each color. Taps for green comes into play untapped. It's got channel, which, if I remember correctly, is uh, this is the second time channel's been. I don't think channel's new. Second, second time. time. I can't remember where what? it is, but I've. Was it like OG Kamigawa then? It, it was on original Kamigawa. Okay, that's why I missed it then, because I wasn't there for sense. that. And it, thematically, it makes sense. Uh, Kamigawa Block also had the legendary lands that came into play untapped and did a thing as well. They see a bunch of play in EDH. Yep. So it's got two, a colorless and a green. Discard it. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land an opponent controls. That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type, i.e. you can get a basic or dual. Put it into and puts it in the battlefield, then shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate, one colorless less to activate for each legendary creature you control. Like yep. that is bonkers yep. on a land. So they do get an untapped land with a basic type. So yes. um, you could get a hollowed fountain. Yep. You get a badlands. You could get volcanic island. You can get a swamp. So you can't use. You can get a get planes. planes. <laughs> I don't know why you would, but um, you can. Because I'm playing Death exactly. and Taxes. <laughs> cool, you, snow-covered planes. Woohoo! You cannot, in reason, um, except for special decks, use, like, Ren and Six and use it to lock people out. Yeah. And maybe against, like, Tron you could, but most decks, this isn't going to lock anybody. But, talk about flexibility. Yeah, that is nuts. It can break up a combo. It can do a it's lot. It's also borderline uncounterable unless you're running Stifle. Yep. Stifle, Stifle or Disallow. Yep. Yeah. Like this card kills is, a kills a Trinisphere for potentially one mana. Kills, I mean, it kills all kinds of stuff. Yep, it kills. It does. It also kills the creature. <laughs> yeah, this will see a bunch of play just to kill all the busted sagas and re reconfigure things coming up. No, everyone, the funny thing is, I'm gonna actually laugh at me for losing my mind over I'm not, this. I'm not and we're laughing at you. Come back in three years, and it's gonna be Ragavan on the back of a saga that costs one. I've called like all the major things lately. Yes, and I, again, I don't disagree with you about the power creep. I'm not a fan of power creep either. This is bonkers. I, yeah, that card is nuts. This this card is way better than any of the sagas we'll see. It's way better than any of the reconfigures we'll see. Like this is the best card in the set. This is probably one of the strongest cards we've seen since yep. Modern Horizons 2. I could like, totally see picking up a four over this. Yes. I buy them now. Like yep. I, I don't mean like literally right yeah. now, but like I'd be watching these. If you can get these for ten bucks, buy a playset. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like this is bonkers. Yes. I will absolutely be buying. Not to mention the whole it, cycle as an EDH player, this goes in any, yeah. almost any EDH deck that runs force. Mm -hmm. If you have more than Two or three basic forests, take one of them out, pop this in. Yeah. It's an improvement. Like, I could say, like, in a five-color list, maybe you don't run this. Right. But three colors or less, this is just a given. Oh, yeah. I need to get a foil. I need to get the full art one for Marin because this yep. card's beautiful. Uh, the need, alternate, the whole set just looks gorgeous. They did a good job on the art. Yeah. Weebs rejoice. But, yeah, the, you know, we like, flexibility is one of the most powerful <laughs> things you can get in Legacy or in magic and flexibility at a low price is just like cheating. I mean, it's naturalize. They don't even make you pay any more for it. Nope. <laughs> That's just like, what naturalize costs. The best but thing, it also hits non-basic land. The best thing this will hopefully do is get more EDH players to play more land destruction in their decks. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's like, oh, that's a really cool Valakut you got. Yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, give them all to me. 
Oh, you play Gaia's Cradle? Be a shame if somebody wastelanded it. Yeah. At instant speed with them. <laughs> and that's like, don't forget, guys, this is instant speed, uncounterable. Like, you, you um, I don't think there's really any way to make it cost more. Things like, uh, like Trinisphere or. I don't know of any way to make it. The cost only more. thing you can do to stop this would be like Pithing Needle or Sorceress Spyglass. Yeah. Or, there, there's weird stuff. Like, like there, there, there are ways to stop this, but like, this is going to be. Yeah. This is this is a this is a really powerful ability. So I'm glad you. I had it brought up. I wasn't going to forget about it, but I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's bonkers. Yeah, Derek, do you have anything to add on to this before we move on to some more things I want to complain about? <laughs> no, I'm. Can they complain about something? Sure. So there's a rat ninja. Yeah. Who's old? Yep. Silver fur master, and there's a there's a turtle ninja. There needs to be three more, and there needs to be the, if yeah. you wanted wizards, if you wanted to get me to buy a secret layer. If you released a five card <laughs> secret layer, why I don't like why would there need to be more more lizards? Because more they're turtles. different. The one guy, the 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 one is Leonardo. He's got two swords and he has a blue thing on his head. What are you talking about? The teenage mutant yeah, ninja that turtles. One is Leonardo. So we need. I'm a huge <laughs> turtles fan. If you walk into the other room, there's yeah. a giant box, a, a ninja turtle box filled with ninja turtle action figures. So so Matt, as any good like uh, young adult middle-aged adult per, you know millennials yeah basically yeah. millennials um, like any good adult has we have four shirts we wear yep <laughs> and one of his is a teenage mutant ninja turtle shirt uh, so i basically have seven shirts I think and he's four of them are ninja turtle <laughs> shirts <laughs> <laughs> yep we have outside of work clothes we have four shirts we wear for or just five or six and yep. yeah he has i see him in teenage mutant ninja turtles a lot yeah it's a coin flip as to whether or not i'm in one <laughs> yeah. so i I would start buying secret layers if they made a Ninja yeah. Turtle secret Which, layer. You said there was a really there was a really cool like <laughs> Easter egg. They named him like Kappa. Yeah. So uh, his. Yeah. Let me see here. Let me... A friend of mine had just watched the third Turtles movie, which is when they go back to Japan uh -huh. in time, and one of the characters there shows up and sees the turtles and keeps yelling Kappa at them. Yeah. Which, what, what are the what's this one called? You're pulling it up. The find like because because it, it's not named Turtle. It's named like. He's something Kappa. Kappa Tech rec uh, Wrecker. Yeah, so he's the techie. He's the techie turtle. Yes, and that's Donatello. Yep. Well, he's a tech wrecker. Or is it Raphael? Yeah. Donatello is the one who does machines, according to the uh, theme song. Okay. Donatello does machines. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Raphael is cool, and Michelangelo is the party dude. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. But the uh, Kappa Tech Wrecker, who is a turtle ninja, which drives me nuts. He has two glowing katanas. Yep, that seems... Yeah. And the top of his head is blue. Yeah. They, like, that's they, Leonardo. They were pretty on the nose. I saw that spoiler Derek sent me. I was trolling. I know I know the TMNT. Can't say it, but you know it. Are yeah, you the, sure the TMNT. you do? Yes. Like, I kept thinking there was a J in there. Um, the TMNT. I know who they are. I watched... They're jazz turtles. I didn't watch, like, the originals, but I used to watch <laughs> some of the cartoons as a yeah. kid. And Derek said that to me, and I was like, we've just jumped the whole shark, haven't we? Like, that literally is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. You know what? At this point, look... If we're going to be doing Ariana Grande and Street Fighter... Hey, Ariana Grande and, never got confirmed. Uh, hey, who cares? <laughs> no, it's, it's perfectly reasonable. Art. They're doing it's Fortnite, so and she is connected to Fortnite in some way. It is perfectly reasonable to assume there's going to be an Ariana Grande card. Can I get some stuff I like? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Let's wrap this up. We've got a couple more cards we wanted to talk about. Um, I do want to talk about uh, Beware. We are looking at an incoming affinity ban for Modern. Uh, we've got dig through time for modern and that's, there's no way that's going to survive. Like modern's going to be seeing some real, uh, artifact ban soon. 
and in fashion, we'll ban four cards before we ban Reality Heist. But yep, well, it's it, it's a funny card I brought yeah. up because Matt is an Affinity fanboy. Uh, Reality Heist five blue blue. It's an interesting design. It has affinity for artifacts, essentially. Costs one less for each artifact you Wish control. Wish they would just call it affinity. I know, but it's not affinity. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal up to two artifact cards from among them and put them into your hand. The rest go on the bottom in a random order. So it's literally yeah. dig through time yep. for artifacts with affinity. Yeah. So. Interesting. Almost certainly won't get banned. <laughs> Maybe we'll see play. Derek brought up a good point. We we're talking about like the lists in here. They do run a... a Decent number of non-artifacts. Like the the potential of missing on getting both is possible. Yeah. And blue blue is not easy to cast a lot of times in modern affinity because you don't get seed of synod. You get a lot of the colorless artifact lands. That's the thing is uh, that's what we talked about earlier. I don't know if the extra cost is worth a little bit of selection. Uh, that's the thing. I don't think so. I I could almost see it not necessarily in affinity, but there's a lot of artifact based decks that do want specific cards. And I think that's kind of where you'd want to be. So like, again, this is just spitballing. So please don't quote me on this or hold it against me in the future. Something like lantern control, where you're looking for a couple very yeah. specific artifacts, but yes. you still run a bunch as opposed to affinity, where you're just wanting to get as many two twos and four fours out as possible. Uh, but it is, this is one of those cards where like, Anytime you see, and I mean, Memory Deluge is another one. Anytime you start seeing these dig through time like cards, mm -hmm. you need to keep an eye out on them because yep. that's a looking seven deep is yep. incredibly Even powerful. Memory Deluge like costs seven. Yep, and it still it's is an amazing still card. Sees play because you yeah seven cards deep to find two that you want. Bonkers. Two more cards we want to talk. I want to talk about. I think I think I got most of the cards we were interested in talking about. But if something else comes up, you guys. The other one I wanted to talk about was the Wandering Emperor. Two white white for a flash planeswalker. It's kind of interesting. And uh, basically the turn that the wandering emperor enters the battlefield, you can activate her abilities at instant speed. Yeah. So if you cast her on your opponent's turn, that one time you get to use her abilities on their turn. Uh, plus one, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature and it gains first strike until the end of turn. Minus one, create a two two white samurai with vigilance and minus two exile target tapped creature. You gain two life. So the blowout potential for this card is insane in the formats that it might see play in. Like the idea that you could flash this in and just completely wreck your opponent's day. Like you can ruin blocks. You can ruin combat yeah, the, math. It's a very interesting combat. You can trick. not die to merit lage. <laughs> like <laughs> yep. um, crazy. I was looking at it um, and I'll give credit. I heard uh, the MTG Goldfish podcast uh, comment. I think I think they did on this being similar to a Johnny. And I was like, you know what? It kind of is. And I'm wondering if maybe this is like an Azorius control finisher we could see as a one of in the sideboard for like control matchups, like putting flash on it's a four mana spell, but putting flash on something like this is such a game changer. Yeah. Where you can go like just, you know, end of your opponent's turn, it's turn seven, like oh, end of your turn. I'm going to flash this thing in. I'm going to minus one, make a two, two on my turn. I'm going to make it a three, three with vigilance and first strike and swing in or yeah. make a second two, two or exile one of your things to get the damage i don't know but the ability like it, it almost comes in with five yeah the way you can on your opponent's turn play it plus it on my turn plus it the thing i kind of like about it and again we're talking about a little bit of power creep just in general like planeswalkers have gotten totally out of control oh, as to what they ridiculous. can do yep. we're so far beyond what like the first jace did <laughs> yeah <laughs> the first jace was plus one yeah. to each player draws a card <laughs> but leaving that aside i is i do think it's a very interesting way 
to bring what white is good at, or at least mm-hmm. what they want to make white good at onto a planeswalker, yeah. like giving it flash and letting it use its ability on its opponent's turn like that, turning that into like the world's trickiest combat trick is very interesting design. And looking at this art, is, so is that supposed to be a samurai? Is she a samurai or is she a ninja? I don't know for sure. She was in War of the Spark. There was a white planeswalker just called the Wanderer, I think. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah. So this is her second. Yeah, appearance. I don't. I don't know what she's but like. It makes a sense for that. Like, I think. She, I think she's a ninja wait, wait, because she is friends and grows up with. But Kaito. she makes samurai and samurai ninja don't get along. So maybe she's a samurai. Like I don't know. That's true. Like it can. It would make sense for her to be a ninja. The whole like flash it in and yeah. do it. But samurai aren't really flashy. They wear suits of armor and clink around. But she also. I don't know. I saw it and I thought it'd be a really cool maybe like I'm probably going to pick one up for my as a maybe for my Azorius control list for a legacy and maybe take out the Court of Grace and try this as yeah. a because like Court of Grace. There's a lot of times Court of Grace bites you in the butt. You just you pick the wrong time or you you misevaluate their hand. Monarch, Monarch is risky. It is. And this is the upside is a lot lower, but the downside's a lot higher. Like yeah. you don't have to worry nearly as much about giving your opponent an extra card a turn. <laughs> Yeah, so, no point in time does that lose you the game. Yeah, so I saw that, and I saw that was interesting. Like, I, I'm, I'm gonna probably try it. Out. I'm gonna probably pick one up because you only need one, probably, and give it a shot. Are there anything we want to talk about before I go on to the last card we're gonna talk about? And if you have a card you want to bring up, bring it up now because I want to end on this one. I'm good. You, you're gonna do Mech Titan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna end on the other reason Affinity will be seeing a ban soon is Affinity is getting this. It's a a, a hilarious vehicle. I mean, like they just printed Voltron. Yep, they literally printed Voltron and then worded it for magic. So, Mech Titan Core, yep. two mana, two four vehicle with crew two. Gonna take a deep breath. Yeah, this has got eight lines of text. Pay five, exile <laughs> Mech Titan Core and four other artifact creatures and or vehicles you control. Create Mech Titan, a legendary ten ten construct artifact creature token with flying, vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste. That's all colors. When that token leaves the battlefield, return all cards exiled to Mech Titan Core except Mech Titan Core to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control. So you get to exile a bunch of creatures and make the Power Rangers Titan. Yep. That Well, that's the thing. Everybody has their particular cartoon they watched as a kid that ends up like this, where you have, like, I uh, I think Derek and I both watch Power Rangers. Like, some people watch yep. more traditional Japanese stuff. You got Voltron. Mm-hmm. You got all kind. This is just cool, and I think it's something everyone's been waiting for forever. Yeah. And again, if we're gonna get some wacky stuff that doesn't quote belong in Magic, unquote, at least it's stuff that's from my childhood. Finally, <laughs> so I get Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. Imagine cool. if you could get like two uh, thought monitors underneath this. I know. Like, kill well, it, it. I don't care. It's actually a very cool. It. It's not a bad card. It's goofy as yeah. heck. But it's not actually that bad of a card. I wish it was like three to activate. Yeah, well, at three, it'd be way too good because then it curves out. I like, know, but like, I mean, it doesn't. I kind of like the idea that it like it, it costs three to activate and it's all it's way too powerful. But like, it costs four other cards. Like, yeah, that's a lot. It is, and I get there four very flexible artifact creatures, but four other cards is a lot. Is that's a that's a that's a real cost yes, for sure. I think five is a very conservative like guess on how powerful to make this well, card. Well, I think they had to go conservative because if you mess it up on something this big, like this card's going <laughs> to yeah. crap all over format. And he's getting a band soon. So they mean, got dig through time and mech Titan core. Well, and it's very flavorful because you get one like presume like you get one of each color. So it's get like yep. flying vigilance, trample, lifelink haste. Like it's, it's just 
This yeah. is just a cool card. Derek, cool. what do you think? I think it's really cool. I think it is like up there with the if they do a turtles thing, mm-hmm. they could somehow do this and do a Power Ranger Voltron. Awesome. I'm buying one for Valentine. Yeah, that makes sense. They need to do um, they need to do this and then like four Thopters. And they could be the pieces, like the two yeah. legs and the two arms. We'll do like Thopter, Phyrexian Walker, Memnite, yeah. something else. Yeah. Like just like just like four like dirt cheap <laughs> kind of bad artifacts that yeah. would pair with this really well. Yep. That's but, the thing. Like this set is just like Wizards is leaving a lot of money on the table because they have the set where they could just milk everybody for secret layers. Like these kind of things are so popular with Wizards core audience that like they should be cranking these out, getting the rights to everything they can. Because I mean, here again, I have not bought a single secret layer, but I would also buy a Power Rangers one too. I might have to buy a Power Rangers one, yep. <laughs> and for all we know, it could, it be, could yeah, be. I hope it is. Like I've never said I hope they do a secret layer for this I mean, and been serious about it. Watsi has shown they love scooping up old washed out, nobody cares about any more IPs. Hey, everything I like is washed out. I'm almost <laughs> <Yep>. 40. <laughs> Okay, um, well, now that we've officially recorded our longest episode on record far. that I have to edit in one day, is there anything we uh, want to cover? Just one, one yeah. quick thing. <laughs> Another half hour one here, right? Thing. <laughs> no. Do you know who owns Power Rangers? Hasbro. Oh, really? Hasbro. Yep. Oh, well, that's going to be hard paperwork to yeah. file. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, it's got to happen then, guys. All righty. So as we bring our episode to a close, the first thing I want to do is I want to thank Derek for coming on and listening to me rant about stupid things and yeah. giving his... Really appreciate opinion on a lot of the legacy decks we saw on some of the modern stuff. So thank you, Derek. Yep. Do you got anything you need to plug, Derek? Thanks for having me. Check out our podcast, uh, Family Gathering. Um, you can find us everywhere you can find a podcast as far yeah, as I know. If you can find us, you can find them. Yep. And I'll make sure and get, yep. I will go through, I'll get your website, I'll get your uh, all your stuff I can. Like your most recent episode, I'll get it all linked uh, in the description. So if you guys want to check them out, you should. It's a really cool podcast where uh, Derek, Joe, Valentine, and Jonathan kind of get together as you know mother and mother father son father daughter ouch get together and just talk about magic as derek and joe introduce this crazy complex crazy fun game to their children and watching them we've talked about before watching them jump through the hoops and learn the strategies is a lot of fun it's like it's like learning magic again yep so really appreciate the content they put out and if you check out their most recent episode you can get a little refresher on the uh specific phases of the game Something I think every Magic player should refresh themselves on. Yeah, all you people who it, it draw before you hurt. do your upkeep. Yep. You just you draw, yep. untap, upkeep. Oh, geez, it's a mess. Looking at you, Will. <laughs> Speaking of Will, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, proud members of the Planesockers Podcasting and Network of Podcasts. Check out Will and Aramis over at the Planesockers Podcast, twitch.tv forward slash planesockerspodcast.com. Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Monday for their standard-oriented podcast, Wednesday for their Commander Craft Nights. Uh, that podcast for Monday is going to give you pretty much everything you need to know about standard. Uh, they do a very similar thing to we do, where they go through all the metas, they go through all the changes, and basically anything interesting. If you want to play some Commander with them on Spell Table, hit up their Discord, discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com. One, tell them hi. Two, tell them we sent you. And then three, pop over to the general uh, cantrip cartel general and shoot us a hello yeah and tell uh, jake how wrong he is about sagas i will gladly have polite <laughs> discourse with anyone on it <laughs> that's how the internet works right polite yep. discourse there's i've never had any interactions that weren't polite on the internet nope that's out yeah there you go so shoot me your emails speaking of emails if you want to reach out to us 
uh, you can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Facebook or join our Facebook group, Cantrip Cartel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. Matt, Derek, is there anything I'm forgetting? I think you got it on my end. I think so. All right. Well, then I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Take care. Um, on the end of your turn, I'm going to pay one green to besage you your Trinisphere. That's not about right. <laughs> You're only going to pay one green? Well, I have a Ragavan. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs>